0: ahoy hoy everybody we've got some great news about our second year in a row at san francisco's Sketchfest.
1: that's right we have another live show on january 16th at 8 p.m that's a wednesday night at the gateway theater and boy do we have some special guests joining us That's
0: right, Julia Prescott and Ali Gertz from the Everything's Coming Up Simpsons podcast will be our special guests and we'll be discussing the episode The Principal and the Popper." Is it the worst episode ever? Is it secretly good? We will decide on the stage that night. So
1: if you're looking for some fun and surprises, even more surprising than Armin Tamzarian's real name, you'll want to join us on Wednesday, January 16th, 8pm at the Gateway Theater in downtown San Francisco. Look up those tickets for yourself or check out the schedule at sfsketchfest.com Tickets are going extremely So, if you want to come to this show, please go to
0: sfsketchfest.com right now, right now, and get your tickets soon.
2: I heartily endorse this event or product.
0: Ahoy, hoy, everybody. Welcome to Talking Simpsons, where the truth is harsh and disturbing. I'm your host, Hourglass Enjoyer Bob Mackie, and this is our chronological exploration
1: of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? No longer the girliest cadet on this podcast, Henry Gilbert.
0: Female motorist, Cap Bailey. And today's episode <laughs> is The Secret War of Lisa Simpson. Lisa, if you ever want to quit and come home, I'll be here in half a jiff.
3: I want to quit and come home. I want to quit and come home.
0: Honey, I heard you the first time. <laughs> Today's episode aired on May 18th, 1997, and Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps>
1: Oh, boy, Bobby, love is in the air because Sly Stallone married hit Jennifer Flavin, who is still his wife 21 years later, and Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker also got married. And finally, the world is bopping away to bop at the top of the charts.
0: Finally, music has reached perfection.
4: <laughs> I like Hanson.
1: They're and fine.
4: Everybody was always kind of going after Hanson and being like, oh, they look like girls. They got really long hair, etc. But uh, they're cute. Teenage. I'm boys, not one to talk, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> they uh, as space ghost himself pronounced they have girl hair beautiful girl <laughs> they're beautiful hair. men like deer <laughs> uh they i love the use of them in anthology of interest uh, the first yeah. one of those mm. in futurama they, they are so funny there they get killed they get they let their song be licensed in an episode where they get crushed by well, they do Benders. get crushed that's yeah. right
0: yeah i don't think there are enough wholesome partridge family osmond style bands anymore if there are any
1: i was just looking at the lyrics to that they're kind of dark lyrics and an you're fucking dead pal <laughs> well, <laughs> count your blessings time is running out yeah it is like when you get older like and lose your hair what friends are still gonna be around dude? I, I'm all out of them bobs <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one line that's like can you tell me who will still care which is like damn who's gonna still care when you're old and about to die like ouch Many moons ago, I was listening to
4: an ESPN podcast, and for some reason, they were playing a softball game against the Hansons, and they are like, oh, yeah, we're going to destroy the Hansons. It's going to be great. And then afterward, so did you beat the Hansons? No. They they cheated. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, the Hansons are very good at softball.
1: If they're Mormon-type kids, they seem like the ones who do a lot of team sports together (laughs) in softball. So wait, it it was
0: Splitsville for Matthew Bardrick and Sarah Jessica Parker?
1: I believe they're still together. Oh, for some reason, I thought they broke up. Well, I think they live very separate lives, perhaps but um, they're, they're still together.
0: This episode, I want to say that the first time I looked this up was five minutes ago. This episode's title is based off of The Secret War of Harry Frigg. We all love that movie, don't we? Oh, okay. Paul Newman classic. It's that <laughs> and The Great Escape. Oh, wow. I yeah. do not, I've never heard of that movie. I didn't before. know that until now, so I just want to put that out there.
1: I always get it. I It gets me thinking about the Marvel Comics classics Secret War. Oh,
4: man. That's the one with the aliens, right? Uh, that's and Venom one... showed up.
1: Uh, yes. Well, yes, the symbiote, I got it right. suit, the symbiote That Spider-Man will wear that becomes Venom, but yes, yeah, yes, that is that is it. It's the
4: one where they all get put on an island on a planet and they fight. Is
1: that the one? It basically was created for a toy set. They wanted to sell He-Man style toys of all the most popular figures. They created a tie-in comic, which basically just has God. Or more or less, transport all the toy figures to a planet to fight each other, and that's why there's only two girls there on the hero side because that's all the toys they were gonna make. (laughs) Because
4: who wants to buy girl toys? But I mean, anyway, that's a lot like this episode, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so
0: interesting. (laughs) They were promising a battle royale
4: at the end. I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was before I had seen battle royale and knew how exciting that would be.
4: (laughs) That would have been a great end to that episode, I might add. Like if they, if Lisa had to fight Bart to the death.
1: <laughs> or i'm least, mad at the supreme court yeah stupid <laughs> su- state supreme court in whatever state they're in well i mean this episode is based on real world events isn't it guys mm-hmm. the life of shannon faulkner which i recall when this happened as a kid i actually was slightly informed in the news only because 2020 came on right after tjf so i may as well keep watching it and uh, i
4: love that that's your thought <laughs> process oh this news show just comes on i guess i'm gonna just keep watching this thing you just even- roll
0: and from TJF into that like yeah. to the gentle caress of Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters
1: <laughs> that's how I got to learn how the consumer's getting screwed man. do I turn <laughs> off the TV no TV good 2020 <laughs> why would you turn off the TV and in that one it was when they talked about her then it was this kind of like centrist approach to it like well you know she wants to go but is it right or blah blah, blah. is it
4: right
0: Gosh. well we didn't say what it was or oh, where yes. she wanted to go
1: so uh, Shannon Faulkner in 1993 she applied to to go to the exclusive, male-exclusive, military school, The Citadel. Later seen in Mass Effect? <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's in South Carolina, not out of yeah. and Much
4: uh, <laughs> less interesting. Sorry,
1: South Carolinians listening to this show. Well, it's, it's it can't compare to... I mean, you
4: can't compete friggin' Mass Effect...
1: so she applied in 1993 and they said you can't do that you are a girl and we never have had a woman here and she then sued them for the right to do it because i mean that is discrimination especially with government funds
0: yeah the big thing was they were getting lots of lots of money from the government and you can't really do that if you're
1: discriminating against people so (laughs) unless Uh, you're a church (laughs) and the federal case though took two years. It wasn't until 1995 before a judge ruled on it. And at first they were even thinking of making her go to uh, just opening up a completely different school and be an equivalent school. And then they told her, well, okay, you can attend classes, but you cannot officially be um, a A cadet cadet here. Yes. yes. Sorry. All these military terms Mm. (laughs) they're like for me. So officially the verdict came down July 1995. She starts attending August 15th of 1995 and will resign by the end of that week. At the time, some people in news stories were like, I guess she couldn't handle it or I guess she didn't stay in shape during all those court trials. As she would reveal in a 2012 interview, there had been a credible, like, threat on her family's life if she stayed there and, yeah. and after all the torture by the entire country to this uh, poor young lady I would also resign and be like but I, I can't take this anymore I'm 20 I don't want this yeah,
4: yeah she's getting called names like Mrs. Doubt Gender
1: yeah yep.
4: there were t-shirts uh, that was something like 1900 bulldogs and one you figure it out yeah mm-hmm.
0: and <laughs> should be pointed out that a lot of students in these uh, military academies drop out after the first week so yeah. she was not like the only one
1: she was one of Five who passed out from heat stroke during the first drills. Like, lots, it is known to happen. Like, and many students resign from there, but it's just so much pressure. I can understand, too, like the pressure of being the first woman to break this kind of glass ceiling. All that pressure on you, national pressure on you. Like, that's a lot to put on anybody, let alone somebody who just graduated high school. I mean, yeah. it's
4: uh, it's terrible wherever it is. I mean, I, uh, the first female sports journalists who had to go into uh, the men's locker rooms and the athletes would basically torment them mm-hmm. and be like walking around with their slongs swinging around and being <laughs> like, hey, lady, what do you think about this? And all this stuff, and... And they would just have to grit their teeth and bear it as the they got to do whatever the heck they wanted, and that's yeah. just the way it is when you're the first one. But in Citadel, like she did, pave the way because a few years later, a few more got in, and then he, after that, by like 2013 or so, a whole whole bunch of female cadets were graduating. And in 2018, she actually came back to uh, speak there. So
1: yeah, which feels like them trying to. Cover mm-hmm. their tracks. A she little called bit. herself
4: a Citadel alumni, wow. and okay. that actually kind of sparked a like a big debate within. Uh,
0: oh my, um, my! valor help! Yeah. <laughs> it's been stolen. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's good that they broke that, barrier But also, I think how about we just don't have those kind of places anymore.
4: Well, You mean, like military academies. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or killbot factories. Yeah, are the killbot factories. Well, luckily if you will. we only
4: got robots now, so yeah. we, we pilot them from mountaintops and maintain those robots. Yeah. <laughs> that was
1: very prescient, there. But we'll get to that. There. Yeah, Yeah, the the idea of breaking barriers but in the military is always a complicated feeling for me uh, because, well, uh, so I'll just say this for like gay service members that it is bullshit that Anybody should face discrimination. And Mm. if you want it, if you are openly gay and want to serve, the government shouldn't stop you from doing that. Oppositely, though, I'm a very like anti war type person. So I would never join the army. Also, physically, I would not want the demands (laughs) of the army. So for all those reasons, I wouldn't join the military. And I am kind of like, why do you want to join gay person? Like, uh, but I mean, I don't want to judge, I I won't judge them, but it's just that that is the complicated relationship I have for them.
4: I mean, right now it's about transgender people. Yes, and you look absolutely. at, you look at these people who are like very clearly really enjoying the military and they're mm-hmm. like, what, I'm, I'm transgender, I'm in the military, I like being in the military, I like doing this job. Okay, well, cool. Mm. Actually, one of my best friends is in the Navy still. She's in the Naval Reserves. She just got out a while ago. And, I mean, she is a very unassuming, like, kind of nerd. She likes Pokemon and that kind of <laughs> things. But she came from a military family. Her father was a military person. Her grandfather was a military person. She was going to be in the military, too. And she likes the culture. So
1: I guess I can understand that. It's just, it's so foreign to me. I would mm. never... Yeah. Oh, me too. But, no, yeah. I mean... So it goes, right? So, <laughs> well, you all, well, you do have a military background I yourself, do. or in your family.
4: Yeah, I mean, my dad was an MP in the Air Force because mm-hmm. he was a college, he was a high school dropout and everything. So <laughs> he served his four years. But so, yes, I've been to as we talked about in what sideshow Bob's last gleaming. That's I was, right. Yeah, I went to the Air Force base and <laughs> saw all the planes and everything. So I, I do have like a small affinity for that but I mean it's a complicated relationship as with anything
0: I have to wonder if the pitch for this episode was different than the final episode because the very little of this episode is about Lisa's fight to get into the academy it's just mm-hmm. one scene the you're a girl scene <laughs> people
1: yeah. thought
4: that it was going to be her suing to get into the military like yeah. originally and I mean
1: this her pitch... acceptance is very unrealistic by the by the you're, I mean body. sure welcome aboard
0: <laughs> yeah I guess this does not really cover Lisa's possible objection to the military or anything military she's more about the uh, discipline and you know being challenged being a teacher's element pet. of it yeah
1: in concept it's also very strange that you would pitch that vegetarian progressive character of lisa is the one who would want to join the mili- a military school which i suppose that you know it's it maybe it's an interesting pitch because it plays on your expectations cuz you're like well why would lisa do it mm-hmm. that's interesting but in in practice it's sometimes you're like well, i i definitely was going why is she there why would she really want to be in a yeah.
4: I mean, I, I think it goes back... Supposedly, this pitch has been kicking around since 1991 or something like that. Mm, yes, and yeah. in that time, Lisa was a much less fully formed character than she was by 1997. And so, I mean, they had this big idea, pile of ideas... Lisa will, Lisa goes to military school is one of them for some reason, and they're like, alright, let's let's uh, let's develop this story because we're seriously out of ideas, and oh, we are so tired, so very, very <laughs> tired. In the yeah, season. it's
0: the very end of the season, and I feel like this episode really shows that. In, uh, it's not to poison the well up front, but I think it is a really <laughs> dry episode. You could tell that some of the touches that would be in earlier episodes are not here because they were so tired. So number one, the fun new character doesn't even have a name. Like, yeah. The how, Commandant. That e- wow, that's a really good point. How, do, how the do guest Bil-
4: star doesn't have a name?
0: Exactly. I, I didn't realize that until this viewing. Like, what is his name? I, how did Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein miss a time to give someone a weird name?
1: I know it's very strange. That I didn't. I didn't know he didn't have a name until I was looking it up for notes. Of like, oh, I shouldn't just put Willem Dafoe in yeah. the notes here. So I'll put his name. The Commandant?
4: What? Well, it was like I was listening to the Canine Mutiny episode just a few days ago. Yeah. And they didn't name the blind guy. It was just blind guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: They just were losing steam. So yeah. I get it, though. We we said this on the Grimes episode, but this, this I'd kind of changed positions. Like this episode, I might think, would feel a little less dry if it wasn't how they close a very good season of season eight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was one other thing I me- meant to mention about Faulkner is that she went on to, when she left, she became an English teacher and that her college was all paid for by the writer of the Prince of Tides novel. He, <laughs> really? oh. he had committed to pay for her college. He felt right. he felt bad for her, what was happening to her. And, Lowenstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, do, I do feel bad for her too and that she was facing the kind of death threats that in a pre-social media age, nobody really knew about. Now <laughs> now we all get to enjoy her
0: People had to work harder to make death threats back then too. Turns
4: out that Nothing has really changed all that much. I mean, back in the day, people just sent email, like actual letters with Mm -hmm. little uh, magazine letters cut out, uh, like serial killers. Mm -hmm. So.
1: They had to work a little harder. Yeah, you had to actually, it was like, uh,
0: I'm going to send a death threat. I'm so tired. (laughs) I mean, the death threats I get in my DMs are just like very boring, poorly spelled. No effort at all. Step it up, everybody. (laughs) Come on.
4: Yeah, I mean, think about your father. Like, they were sending death threats through postage shams. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, spend some money, right? (laughs) I'm I'm worth it. Yeah, but yeah, so this episode, I think another thing that hurts, (laughs) boy, we are really jumping on this at the start here, but I think another thing that hurts this episode is that it peaks in, like, the first four minutes. and
0: I would say the end of the first act is really what I like the most. Well, the,
4: first, the weirdest thing about this episode is they dwell for a very long time on her reasons for going mm-hmm. and uh, going back and forth between the police station And her being in school. And then only halfway through the episode does she finally go to the military school, which is ostensibly the point of the entire episode. It's a
1: really long
0: first. It's like eight minutes, the first act. Yeah.
1: Well, that's another sign of a tired writing staff that they front-load the first act when they're like... Because the first act usually is unrelated to the plot, so Mm -hmm. if you're not as interested in the plot, then, uh, you know, let's procrastinate on starting that plot. All the
4: best laughs are in the first half, and then the Mm -hmm. second half is much more
1: heartfelt. Mm -hmm. Well, this opening here is my favorite bit of the episode, because... this feels like what bill and josh did their entire tenure which is they find a part of springfield that hasn't really been explored before Mm. the police station in this case and really explore it like They had been to the... We've seen inside the police station before, like when guys are gambling about squirrels in pants or... Or (laughs) a banner shows up. Yeah. Get that badge out of your mouth. (laughs) But we don't get the full tour of the place until here. And this... Also, I think this has to be the first time the Chief Wiggum and Ennicrabaple have ever had a conversation (laughs) before.
2: Hello? Hello? We're here for the field trip? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Boy, it's getting harder and harder to make it here by 10.
5: <coughs>
2: <laughs> we'll start the tour in a second. I've just got to check the answering machine. Oh, can't anybody in this town take the lawn to their own hands
1: yeah. hey, this is the first time I realized that he comes in with the siren blaring because he had it going the entire way there so we could run uh, traffic lights I didn't realize so that was run. a joke that's a good yeah.
0: and also the, the listeners can't see it but the key for the police station is under the, the, under the doormat
1: <laughs> and also I don't think even in a small town I don't think the police station closes <laughs> right like somebody no, should always be shift. there yeah right I, I,
4: I always love of good old incompetent Wiggins oh mm-hmm. yeah that's great
1: <laughs> and he's him shaving too I was like I never even thought of Wiggum as a person who needs to shave but uh, just so soft and fleshy <laughs> <laughs> that he just so callously deletes all the messages on the answering machine about crimes
4: it's funny because when I was watching the scene I thought or just literally listening to you guys talk about this scene made me mm-hmm. think about the episode where Marge becomes a cop
0: all right and oh,
4: yeah. how she was kind of breaking barriers in that episode as well well because all she's like i'm gonna be a cop and everybody just starts laughing at it or for a very long time she's like oh you're serious okay
1: <laughs> wow yeah she gets welcome aboard <laughs> it's more just in that one it goes even faster of just like ha 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 anyway yes welcome aboard. yeah yeah she, she faces no discrimination until after but that. then her
4: but then of course homer treats her like crap like
1: mm-hmm. the entire episode so she's not a real cop in homer's eyes uh but yeah then after this we get what the museum of crime is my line of the episode me too so, yeah so <laughs> Okay, let's make it official with the jingle.
3: That's the
2: joke. Gather around, kids. We're about to enter the museum.
5: Oh,
3: no.
2: Of crime. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I am about to show you next may shock and educate you. Hold on to your values, as we step through the looking glass into a hippie pot party. While Johnny Welfare plays acid rock on a stolen guitar, his old lady has a better idea. That's right. She's got the munchies for a California cheeseburger
4: what episode was it that Joe Friday and all them come on to the Simpsons oh
0: Mother Simpson right yes. yeah yeah.
4: I used to watch Dragnet back in the day yes I did and I, I think I-, I did too and they were always like. I, at the time, I did not appreciate that they were busting hippies and everything. So this is very much like that. It's like, oh, the hippies—they're—they're they're smoking pot. Meanwhile, their kids are drowning in the bathtub. What do you think I, about that? I
0: looked this up. It's a real urban legend uh, that a babysitter—the story is a babysitter took acid and then put the baby in the oven, uh, oh, thinking I it was heard a turkey microwave. or something. Uh, microwave. and microwave. It doesn't matter. It never it's happened. It's an urban legend. But it actually, it did way. happen. Uh, there are ins- there are instances of that happening, but it wasn't LSD. It was like Mm. one was like a three-year-old put his like uh, baby sister in the oven while their mom went out to get a pizza or something like that. Uh, One person was drunk. Another person had mental problems. So there was never LSD involved. There's at least uh, Wikipedia. If you want to go to the baby uh, microwaving section on Wikipedia, there's three entries.
4: No, (laughs) no, No, I don't think I will. (laughs) Come on, guys. I'm
0: going to put a link in the notes.
1: Uh, (laughs) I heard that urban legend first from the comic Dork by Evan Dorkin because he had a whole thing about this urban legend and how how attractive it it was to kids in the '70s to tell because it was it was perfect to get born out of a fear of drugs that in the post in the post '60s uh, years of just like no you should be terrified. Of this <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, the Strangers with
0: Candy series, yeah, uh, the great yeah. series Strangers with Candy, and they would take all of those urban legends and make them real. Like mm. one of the ones that's in the, the first episode is the, like a, a girl, a high school girl, like thinks she's a butterfly and tries to fly through with the keyhole of a door and kills herself, bashes yeah, <laughs> her head in. Yeah, and that was an urban legend. Like somebody thought that. They were a bug or a fairy and they tried to go through a keyhole because they were on acid
1: in one of those real after school specials that strangers with candy was making fun of I believe it was Helen Hunt in one of her first roles plays a girl who thinks she can fly on LSD and jumps through a window that might have been angel dust but yeah she did go um, through a window <laughs> well I love California cheeseburger yeah. as a name too it's so great because it implies the fear of California in general, Californians
4: like- eat babies <laughs>
1: yeah oh boy
0: I've been flying a lot. Recently, and flying back to California a lot, and I usually will get a drink, you know, before the flight. And boy, there was a lot of talk about how much people hate California, how afraid they are, mm-hmm. how they don't want to go there. Ooh, California, it's a big state. Everybody, there's assholes there. <laughs> yeah, you can if, hang out with them if you
4: really want. Just go to Fresno. It's cool. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the best economy in the country, and the best fruit and vegetables. Oh the no, the best
0: uh, weed, bro. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and also, we have a police state too. You can be. Yeah, come on. I love about the barely hidden politicization of this Museum of Crime 2. Johnny is, Welfare. Johnny Welfare. Well,
4: I mean, I love how outdated it is. That's the funny mm. part. It's like, I mean, it's from the 60s, right? But it's in this episode, it's the 90s. That's like 30 that, years after freaking hippies that so. installation
1: has
0: been there for a while i
4: mean you're i told you i was watching dragnet on nick at night yes. in and going whoa hippie hippies okay whatever like i mean we didn't have freaking hippies were our parents by then so i
1: love how that ridiculously long spliff is taped to the face <laughs> of a man <mannequin laughs> uh... so
4: on the museum of crime front i actually went to a museum of crime when i was oh, in school really? yeah but this one was actually the it was the liquor smuggling tunnels under saint paul oh that's cool yeah Ooh. which is where all the gangsters are, because apparently in St. Paul the mayor had a deal with all of the gangsters, like John Dillinger, all that. Come to our city, we'll give you safe cover. You can do all the bootlegging you want, but you had to do all commit all your crime in Minneapolis.
0: Wow. So uh, go across the yeah. river for that, buddy.
4: So we got to go see all the old gangster tunnels and hear stories about how like Dillinger like was stealing things in St. Paul and all that, and all ah. the Chicago gangsters were hanging out in the Twin Cities. It was rad. So. That's
1: fun. Man. Yeah, that was
4: actually a fun museum of crime.
1: The closest I had to this was. The, which I'm sure both of you guys had two of the cop coming to your class for oh, dare yeah. and giving you these kind of scary stories as well. Yes. They actually
4: brought in somebody who was in rehab for us. Oh, man. We didn't who get got to that. tell us all the scary stories about being a drug addict.
1: Our cop just told us about how he had stopped smoking because he, mm. he had a heart attack <laughs> or something. And then he also... The one part I really remember, this had almost nothing to do with dare and only about fearing the police. It had nothing to do with drugs. But he told one student to flip him off and walk by him and call, call him a pig. And the student was so scared. He's like, uh, he he like half lifted a middle finger and was like here, hey pig. pig. <laughs> and he walks I, away. I smell bacon. And the dare officer then stopped he's like, did you know, actually a middle finger in old Roman times meant a good thing? And being called a pig means, I was like, that's not how you what? would actually <laughs> react to that.
0: Actually, when I'm told I smell like bacon, I, I enjoy
1: bacon. It's a compliment. <laughs> God. That was, it was really just about intimidating us. And uh, there's friends of the show, Citations Needed, had a really good podcast just recently about cop propaganda like that. California cheeseburger. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> And the, just how fake That baby is And how the giant Like unhinged jaw Of the hippie girl too. With, the,
4: with the hoagie With the hoagie bread And everything Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yes
0: I wonder if they wanted To get a license song For that scene though
4: I mean, how, when do you think that exhibit was built? That I mean, exhibit must have been around since before Wiggum was Maybe actually in
1: Maybe the 70s. I would bet Nixon era that yeah. got built. And it's just obviously they wouldn't get new money to change the museum of crime, which that takes up a lot of space in this uh, this police station, too. <laughs> Probably could be used better. I, so, I
4: mean, it just exemplifies Wiggum's incompetence because he has this museum of crime, but he hasn't <laughs> actually updated it to things that we were scared of in the 90s, like mm-hmm. black people.
1: <laughs> that's uh, well that would or, be two yeah, gangs, gang violence <laughs> <There you laughs> go. super predators Actually that's another of my favorite running Simpson's gags where when he goes to the museum oh, of crime yay, yay. <laughs> it's when you get the perfect reaction from kids, like of <laughs> of a, the delivery of something like this is going to surprise you, when I say of I crime, and then they all give you the exact yeah. reaction. I mean, yeah.
4: Come in, if that if you had been in that class and you were that age, you would have cheered. I
1: mean, I i have a crime. That's fun. I, I would have uh, I would have gone with the flow of being in the police station. Sure, yeah, that's true.
0: I just remembered something that happened to me. We had a sort of a scared straight thing. It wasn't like prisoners talking to us, but we took a field trip to juvenile detention center. Whoa! And now that I think about. It. That's incredibly fucked up that they did that to us. Like You could be like, these asshole dropouts. Yeah. Sorry, kids. Uh, it'll get better. <laughs> I mean, better.
4: you were growing up in Youngstown.
0: But uh, I was on the good side of the tracks.
1: Oh, well, they, they had, had to go. make sure you stayed that way. Yeah. You didn't get in with the wrong crowd. I was paying,
0: week. my parents were paying money to send me to private school. I don't think I was in any danger of uh, actually uh, joining a gang. Although they were so worried about that.
1: I mean, well, because the news told him so. Like, you're all joining violence gangs. That's just how we <laughs> oh, have yeah. many violence gangs. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Lisa couldn't be more bored, and this is like the laziest Miss Hoover has ever been. I think <laughs> the uh, it's really well observed that those educational film strips would end with a bad stop motion. The end. Yeah, I like that a lot on sand, and that this clearly propaganda for sand. They admit that propaganda it makes propaganda low- <laughs> for sand. <laughs> they admit it makes low. Look- Windshields, windshield. yeah, <laughs> that's bad propaganda. You should be saying you make good windshields, and uh, then they start up the uh, trip to the moon. The
6: moon, for several years, she has <laughs> fascinated many, but will man ever walk on her fertile surface? Democratic hopeful Adelaide Stevenson says so. I have no objection to man walking on the moon. <laughs> By 1964, experts say man will have established 12 colonies on the moon, ideal for family vacations. Once there, you'll weigh only a small percentage of what you weigh on Earth. Slow down, <laughs> Tubby. You're not on the moon yet. <laughs> the moon belongs to America and anxiously awaits the arrival of our astro-man. Will you be among them? <laughs>
4: There's uh, so much to love about this film strip. Uh, so uh, The only thing it could have better had it would be if Troy McClure were in it. I was thinking it. they
0: missed a big opportunity there by not having f- just, you're going to have a short film have Troy McClure in it. This is very funny though but it's just like we only have so many there's like months of Phil Hartman left on this planet.
1: Yeah. well, <laughs> Get him
0: in something. I uh, can
1: see why they didn't because this this is basically set in 1953 and Troy yeah. oh, and McClure Oh yeah. I meant like yeah. making
0: make a different short with him in yeah.
1: it. Yeah. I guess their choice was a Troy McClure another Troy McClure one or they can set it in the 50s but that means no troy mcclure god the trips to the moon stuff it's all so funny
4: i forgot that this it was actually in this one and it's always been one of my all-time favorite simpsons gags because i love cold war stuff (laughs) in general i love that it's it was made in 1952, which was like five years before Sputnik got launched. I love that it's Department of Moon. <laughs> I love that. I, I love the. By 1964, I I that. we yeah. will have 12
1: colonies. 12
0: colonies. <laughs> which, I, mean, I like the Moon Dad catching a moon baby while fishing,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the the earth, the Moon belongs to America. That statement too, I like it a lot.
4: And Adlai Stevenson is just inherently funny because he was the Al Gore of the nineteen fifties, <laughs> which is to say that he was a great man, actually. And he was he was the one during the Cuban Missile Crisis who said, "Don't wait for the translation; answer me here" to the Russians. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, like he was actually kind of a badass uh, in that particular sequence. But he was not very good at running a political campaign, which uh, made him a lot like Al Gore and Hillary Clinton. So
1: <laughs> he he lost to Eisenhower twice, which he also... lost to the
4: celebrities. He lost yeah. to Eisenhower, and then in nineteen 19- 60 it was like I really hope that they'll give me the nomination. Come on, ask me about the nomination. They're like, <laughs> Adelaide, no.
0: He I'm, lost the future Stingy and Battery Show guest, Ike Eisenhower. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Let's get busy.
1: I mean, if you've got John F. Kennedy looking at you in the face, uh, him versus a toast baldy guy who already lost twice, <laughs> I'd go with Kennedy, See, this too. is why our
4: society sucks, because Adelaide <laughs> Stevenson, by all accounts, was an amazing guy, like extremely smart, kind of academic, kind of a wimpy nerd, but of course we're not going to...
1: for his time, too. We're
4: not going to elect the guy who's kind of a wimpy nerd now we're gonna get the celebrity we want the yeah. general we got the guy who looks good on camera come well, on
1: which one of these guys beat Hitler huh I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that guy yeah <laughs> I don't care if Richard Nixon is his running mate <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's he he's a fun Dweeby dude I the only thing I really know about his temperament is that Peter Sellers based his president in dr Strangelove on oh, Adelaide wow. Stevenson cool. it basically is set in a universe where he one instead of Kennedy and that's why So we would have all died. Yeah, they are saying that President Muffley is kind of a wuss and, uh, and Gentlemen, gentlemen, this is a war room! No fighting! <laughs> no, I, I'm i good to... Well, how do you think I
0: feel? I can't believe Strange Love is coming up again after <laughs> Kat's first episode or second? Uh, Dr. No. Dr.
4: Strangelove, no, Star, like Star Trek, I mean...
1: We have hit Star Trek
4: Get yeah. the sports and we'll shoot the moon. <laughs>
2: The Simpsons will be right back. (laughs)
1: Hmm. What a tasty California cheeseburger. Oh, hi. I didn't see you guys there. Want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Simpsons. And a special big thank you to our guest, Kat Bailey. You should definitely be checking out all the cool stuff she does as editor-in-chief at the website US Gamer. They just posted a ton of their best of the year content. And did you know that me and Bob do this full-time thanks to the support of wonderful people on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons? Those members of the Talking Simpsons Network help me and Bob do this every week. For you folks, and for just five dollars a month, not only does it keep me and Pop going, but it also lets you hear next week's episode a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for our other podcast, What a Cartoon, where each week we go through a different animated series in the Talking Simpsons style. If you sign up for five dollars a month as a subscriber, not only will you get access to that, but also all of our amazing interviews and exclusive content. You can hear interviews with Simpsons veterans like Bill Oakley. Josh Weinstein, Mike Reese, Dan Graney, David Silverman, Mark Kirkland, Nell Scoville, Mimi Pond, and so many more. And for $5 subscribers, you'll also get to listen to our exclusive limited series on there as well, such as Talking Critic Podcast, where me and Bob go through every episode of The Critic, including those webisodes, and Talking Futurama, where we went through the entire first season of Futurama for you listeners. And you can find all of that only on at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and at ten dollars a month you'll get access to our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast where you can hear me and bob talk about a different animated film each month like batman mask of the phantasm and kiki's delivery service consider becoming a subscriber to the talking simpsons network today and visit patreon.com slash talking simpsons Once you're finished with the Eliminator, the perfect way to relax would be seeing Talking Simpsons do a live podcast on January 16th in downtown San Francisco. Me and Bob are doing SF Sketchfest for our second year ever. And boy, is it going to be a lot of fun. We'll be doing a live episode about the Principal and the Popper. Yes, the Armin Tamsarian episode is going to be happening live right there. And me and Bob have the perfect guest for it. Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott of Everything's Coming Up Simpsons will be joining us for the discussion it'll be a simpsons crossover event we'll have fun surprises clips all of that the episode will go on the regular feed as usual but if you want to be there live to see the fun get going before they sell out you can check out the schedule for yourself at sfsketchfest.com and get your tickets soon before they sell out that's january 16th a wednesday at 8 p.m at the gateway theater in downtown san francisco we will see you there And uh, also the imagined moon 100% reminds me of the whalers on the Moon section. Oh, too, for yeah. sure. Yeah. The moon
4: is just inherently funny. I mean, <laughs> we were talking about Aqua Teen Hunger Force in another episode. Them saying, we're from the moon. Oh, that's immediately funny. The moon. It's hilarious. The there are 5,000
0: is- dimensions on the moon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the moon is such a funny concept because it used to be so mystical to us. And it's still, you know... Eight, like what 18 people have ever gone on the moon not a lot and yet now it's just so boring like, yeah it's a moon yeah, at what the whatever. moon whatever I'm interested in Jupiter the moon's boring <laughs> when the film strip ends Hoover's just gone she just abandoned 30 children at school <laughs> well, she gets no like, exit line either it's like
4: when the strike happened and she was like go home children <laughs>
1: <laughs> this time she couldn't even be bothered to do that it's shocking
4: she really hates her job I, just, yeah. I feel bad for her I've never had a teacher who hates her job that much, mm. thankfully.
1: She seems too bored to even try to be funny in this episode. Well, when you're <laughs> that poorly
4: paid and all of your children are that dumb and seemingly you're teaching the same grade over and over again until... <laughs> the end of eternity.
1: And you're also dealing with, like, uh, untreated mental stuff that's causing you to think you have Lyme disease.
4: Do you think Springfield's hell because she's just stuck teaching that same class forever?
1: Uh, well, yeah, they've they've graduated. This is one of their many graduations from a, yeah. a grade. It's the third to, one by my I count. I mean, Krabappel
0: did go to heaven, so she's fine now.
1: Okay, that's Aww. true.
0: She's free. She, in peace. she escaped the uh, mortal coil.
1: <laughs> uh, but this is another of my favorite lines here. I had forgotten that this was the scene where Skinner Talks about uh, less intelligent students.
3: <laughs> Where's Miss Hoover? Hey, her car's gone. Maybe she drove to the moon.
1: <laughs>
4: Good Ralph line.
3: It's not my nature to complain, but so far today, we've had three movies, two film strips, and an hour and a half of magazine time. I just don't feel challenged.
6: Of course we could make things more challenging, Lisa, but then the stupider students would be in here complaining, furrowing their brows in a vain attempt to understand the situation.
0: I really enjoyed magazine time at my schools.
4: (laughs) I mean, we didn't have magazine time, thankfully, but we did have book reading time, so... Step above, I guess. But.
1: You couldn't read comic books, though. They had to be real books. So really? I had you couldn't
4: re- read... Matt. I mean, we just read Not Goosebumps, and those are barely books. I mean,
1: those are technically still books, though. Those yeah, are the trick. I could read a
4: Goosebumps <laughs> book in one like sitting. But.
1: Yeah. Same with uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles prose adventure I read, where they went into outer space. <laughs> a prose adventure? <laughs> well, I don't think it was actually called that, but it was. <laughs> I'm just saying it was one of those ones where like there's a... There's a drawing every 20 pages, but then otherwise it's all writing about the turtles in space. Well,
0: we all talked about being obnoxious gifted kids a lot on this podcast before. And I remember just um, because you would go to your special like outside of the school gifted a trailer that you had to do yeah. your stuff in and play Carmen Sandiego in, and the then
4: gifted trailer. I the love gifted that.
0: trailer, <laughs> yes, uh, that was just outside of school property because you were too smart to be uh, on school grounds, I guess. Mm-hmm. But and then when you go back to normal classes, you you get a test in a period, and then you have like forty minutes of that period to like read a book. Like, oh, I'm done with this test, and like I'm looking at the kids, like you're still doing this. How
1: dumb are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, you know, gifted classes were a blessing and a curse. I think I am glad I had them because I would have been very unchallenged in class. Is when I, I got to go into gifted classes because I just could do the multi when they introduced addition, subtraction, and then multiplication, I just did it instantly. All the other kids couldn't do it uh, that fast. And that's when they started letting me apply to the or they accepted me in the gifted program. But then after I did it, it was just like, well, this gave me too much, like, uh, too much confidence, honestly, <laughs> or at least not confidence, expectations. And they also you know, put a target on you a little bit of just like, well, this kid thinks he's better than you, huh? Get them up some guff.
4: Well, it just goes to show what a bummer our school system is that Lisa really is actually extremely gifted and totally deserves to be challenged as much as she can. But of course she can't be because there's no budget and the teachers are poorly, extremely underpaid. I mean, she's borderline a college student, like based on how much she's able to do. So
1: she will later be able to pose as a college student because of how much knowledge. That's she right. Has. Yeah.
4: I mean, when I was in high school, there were people who were literally going to college and getting college credit because they were like they were just so far beyond any of the major classes that were being offered at our school.
1: I was lucky at my high school, they had AP classes, so I could take AP for English. We had
4: AP classes. I'm saying that they were so good that they were literally just like, we're going, she's going to the university, she's taking chemistry there.
1: Wow. Yeah. Something I don't, as an ex-gifted kid, something I don't like in online communities now is just the idea of like, well, by being smarter than everyone, I'm better. Just this Mm -hmm. kind of elitism or just also this obsession with IQ points. No one gets Rick and Morty like me. (laughs) Yeah, I hate that shit like (laughs) the burden of being intelligent and so this kind of joke is a little snobbish now i don't like it as much but i do really love how skinner just like almost his pity for the unintelligent kids like furrowing their brows in a vain attempt to understand what's going on. Well, the joke
4: is on Skinner because he doesn't care. He doesn't care about Lisa. He doesn't care about the kids who are struggling. He mm-hmm. just doesn't care.
1: <laughs> Though, this also does come from a very kind of uh, fountainhead way of saying like, well, we have to keep everybody the same. Yeah. Like, which, uh, that's, I would think that is... Wait, it. is that
4: the fountainhead? Because I, you would think that Lisa would be the one they're like, we gotta raise Lisa up because she's amazing!
1: Well, the enemies, that is the final message. To the fountainhead ah, but the villain in the fountainhead says that if a blade of gla- grass grows too tall you have to cut it down it's the same we have the same principle here can't draw build too high i learned that from the fountainhead parody they did in the simpsons mm. in one of their storybook episodes which lisa does preface by saying we're going to read an ayn rand book she influenced modern republicanism <laughs> that sucks uh but anyway yeah the I do like the line of him just hating his dumber students which he could he could try harder for to let them learn something but it's
4: funny because Skinner really likes uh, on the one hand being the principal is his whole identity also being the son of his mother I guess but mm-hmm. uh but on the other hand he's extremely cynical about it
1: <laughs> he doesn't really care uh, some days he cares a lot other days he doesn't well, care he's just so a much. really
4: boring guy Mm-hmm. So what else is he gonna do? I guess I guess this is my job, <laughs> and I mean this is very important to me, and I want to be a very good principal. But screw these kids.
1: Though also he's a member of Mensa, so maybe that's where his intellectual snobbishness comes from too. Mm. You know? Oh, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> revealed later. Uh, <laughs> uh, so meanwhile, Bart and the rest of the kids learn about the com We're
2: now in the communications room, or the com room. Uh, this is a police radio. The single most important piece of equipment in the Camroo As you can see, some of the boys like to put their banana stickers all over it. Uh, there's Chiquita, there's Del Monte, there's a Bananco, Gorilla's Choice. <laughs> now, uh, everyone follow me to my chair, where I just need to get off my feet for a few minutes. Oh, oh I won't be getting up soon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: standing I just, for two hours. I, I just got that joke about the com room. I didn't
1: get it till this I, one either, yeah. I didn't
0: even hear that until uh, this clip, that he was uh, also abbreviating room.
1: It's so it's depends so much on an enunciation that if you just think he's saying room, you don't hear it. You yeah. Know? That's why I was like, when I was watching this,
0: like for the 43rd time, I was like, well, where's the joke here? Why, what, like, what is the joke? Why is he saying this? Is it just because it's so obvious? I thought mm. that was a joke before when I thought he was just saying, this is the communications room or the com room. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't make that up. And then yeah, like, we, we don't need the abbreviation.
1: So com room makes it the first three letters of each word. So it's, which, which is very confusing. And, I also love those banana stickers. They're all really good, well-designed.
0: Bananco, uh, <laughs> I Gorilla's think Choice. Gorilla's
1: Choice is my favorite. The red and blue gorilla. Uh, red, white, and blue gorilla. It's just a cool. I'd buy a sticker of a Gorilla's Choice banana sticker for sure.
4: Somebody spent a lot of time designing those banana stickers.
1: <laughs> That's what they get paid the big bucks for uh, in the production side of things. I wanted more names. They don't really have more
0: names visible than what's listed
1: Hey, you know, in an episode where they couldn't name the guest star character, I'm happy yeah. that they could think of those many bananas. They sure names.
4: didn't spend hours agonizing over the name like they have on shop titles or whatever. Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you're right. They named like four banana companies, but they couldn't name the, the character in this episode.
1: <laughs> it's it's odd. it's odd. Well, much like Police Chief Wiggum. maybe they're just very tired and they need to get off their feet for a bit <laughs> and not think about that stuff. I'm not getting up anytime soon. <laughs> I... I I wish we'd seen it, though. One of the funniest things always is the uh, Wiggum just trying to get up on his own strength and can't. And uh, now, actually, I, I meant to say during the moon thing, this this making fun of uh, overweight people reminded me of the, uh, the, the, the meanness of the joke to the fat kid also is so great. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just like in 50s stuff where they would make fun of overweight kids, which you could never do. It's, it's mean and irresponsible, but in an old Disney thing they just do that.
0: Yeah, fat kids love armor hot dogs.
1: <laughs> I love how long it takes Bart to figure out he wants to do the thing with the making back and forth. Back and forth and back and forth. And uh, I also love the kid math of it, which is well, if this megaphone doubles up the sound of another megaphone, then exponentially louder these megaphones shall get, if I may talk like Yoda. <laughs> um, but that is not how it would happen in reality. You're telling me this is made up? It what? is. They, <laughs> just, they just made it up for a cartoon. I can't take Simpsons seriously anymore. <laughs> we could have all assumed this isn't actually how it
0: worked. But I knew when I was like 15 watching this, man.
1: But how would we really know until a YouTube scientist tested it out, guys? This was not a Mythbusters? You know, it may have been. I, but I know this was tested in 2017 by the YouTuber, the Backyard Scientist, in a video that has 18 million views. So this, oh this went pretty viral. He
0: paid for all those bullhorns, for Thank sure. God
1: for YouTube. <laughs> so he bought 10 bullhorns, lined them all up, though I will say not hanging on their own there's a little space between each of them and uh, when he does it i'm not going to play it because it just sounds horrible he finds out that it just causes a feedback loop and it's just a ton of very awful feedback to hear but based on his like sound measuring device on decibels it only raises it by one decibel from 80 to yeah. 81
0: i mean it's obvious but the the final bullhorn in that human centipede you've got going on there it can only be so loud no matter how loud the sound going into it is so mm. that's true of every every bullhorn in the chain yeah i've debunked
1: this <laughs> well here I actually here's his full explanation so sandra says it didn't sound any louder down there but it sounded a lot more distorted you know the power supply in there can only amplify the sound so much uh-huh and i think that's what's happening and instead of amplifying the sound it's actually just distorting the sound 10 times until by the time it gets to the last one it just feedback and garbled garbage so there, there you go. It's, it's yeah, power supply. Can't get any louder. Plus, the sound too in air can't get much louder either, unless you're going to have like a concussive explosion, which is what BART does. Yeah. And also, I found out that apparently it's easier to amplify sound in water than in in the air, Hmm. much easier. You actually, that like, say, if you're, if you happen to be by a submarine while it sends out the sonar ping, that sound would kill you. It's that strong. Like, yeah. And that's uh, why some people think whales beach themselves is because they hear that sound from sonar and they're like, shit, fuck, I'm scared. <laughs> and they just swim into the out of the ocean. That's that's more things that the guy revealed. Just watch the little video, guys. Look it up. The Backyard Scientist. So they're there's the real answer that the megaphones would not work. And he's not a nazi yet, right? <laughs> oh, boy, I should I didn't do a milkshake <laughs> duck test on this guy. He's a famous
0: YouTuber, we can't know for sure.
1: <laughs> he filmed a video with a girl, so that feels like it turns mm. down the uh, uh, the chance a little bit more. You
0: know who had That's a girlfriend? Better
4: than at least mm. one person then.
0: <laughs> you know who else had a girlfriend? Uh, Hitler. Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> but not a wife.
4: <laughs> the connection is proven.
1: And uh, when Bart sets it off The shockwave that sends him back Also really reminds me of uh, The Back to the Future the Oh of that movie. yeah Yeah that's right Okay cool And he's just testing Actually let's Let's hear the explosive effect Whenever I see a nonviolent parrot joke, I always think like
0: Bob 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 likes that one. Those parrots enjoyed that sound. They didn't <laughs> they didn't die. They showed a lot of restraint by not having the parrots explode or something like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: right? The, they survived a lot better than Homer's beer. Yeah. <laughs> Which the the animation on the beer exploding in his hand, it's pretty cool how it just pops out of both sides so it doesn't cut up his hand. Horribly. Like my question was, the kids are on field
0: trips or whatever why is Homer at home drinking a beer? <laughs> I guess he just, does he
1: even go to work anymore, Bob? We don't need an excuse.
4: Lenny send him home to think about what he did.
1: Uh, it could have happened on the same day. Well, <laughs> the timeline do- on this episode is interesting, too, because they go on this field trip, then they come in the middle of the semester, so Bart and Lisa spend a couple months there, too, yeah. at, the, at the military academy. Yeah, we come back, and it's just a shockwave that's been going through the town for hours, at least. It's
4: like an EMP wave or something.
1: <laughs> or, or, like, um, after an earthquake, these are the aftershocks yeah. of just the or, sound. Or if
4: there was a nuke, <laughs> there would have be the big shockwave that shattered all the windows and killed all of the electronics. So that's basically what Bart did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and for as terrible as it sounds, the sound design on this is amazing, especially in the app, the scene of just the feedback afterwards. Someone <laughs> I, had to create that. Like, what would this sound like? And they had to create it.
1: I, I cut a little bit of it, but uh, slight warning to listeners who you will hear it for the joke at the start of this next clip.
2: When do you expect the ringing will stop? In about 10 to 15 seconds. Mm. I certainly hope so! <laughs> hmm. That's better. <laughs> now about your punishment, young man.
3: I know. I'll go to my room and think about what I did.
6: No, no. know. Your room is full of toys. You're going to the uh, garage.
3: You're the boss.
2: <laughs> I tell you, Chief, I just don't know what we're going to do with him. You know, you do have options. <laughs> For example, there are behavior modifying drugs. How would it argue to the Bart you know? Not very. No, <laughs> no drugs. Bart just needs a little discipline. Uh, hey, what about military school? It set my brother straight. Now he owns and operates a famous cave. Hmm, you know, maybe <laughs> Chuck Wickham is right. <laughs> military school is a good idea. <laughs> I like
4: that. It's such a good throwaway
0: line. Famous cave. Famous cave. Owns and operates. I guess we were on the precipice of the idea of uh, over-medicating children. Yeah. And there would be an episode about this, one of the few written by George Meyer.
1: We're a few years away from the Riddle and I feel like we were
4: already there. It's just that pop culture picked up on it a few years later.
1: Was in the zeitgeist enough for them to suggest it for Bart. I mean, the I love is, how wedded to you are, are you to the Bart you know?
0: Not very well. South Park taught me you just need to hit kids and they'll pay attention. That's
1: uh, that's the way that's the answer. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, really. (laughs) It was really in the middle, and the Uh, uh,
4: another piece of South Park wisdom uh dropped on us for
1: the concept, though, definitely feels like a very old school one that, like. My parents never threatened me with this, but this was, like, in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You're, uh, if you, If you miss, piss me off again, I'm sending you to military school. I'm going to send you to military school. It, it was the classic threat,
0: but upon thinking about it, that would be very expensive and it would quite require, like, a lot of uh, follow-through. Well,
4: well, now in China, if a kid are, is, quote-unquote, addicted to video games, they will get sent to, basically, military school where oh really? they're getting... You know, they have to go and do major exercises. They're gone for months. It's basically prison i mean they're not <laughs> paying prison for, for children yeah yeah well, it, it was a it's a big story yeah
0: during the uh the citadel stuff we talked about earlier i we didn't really mention this but that was in the much more peaceful 90s where mm. we were making fun of the military and we're thinking like what are they even doing anymore so the idea of anyone being rejected for military service just seems pretty silly now they want any warm body it's like we got like 34 wars going on
4: <laughs> you're absolutely true unfortunately I yeah mean, people are going on like ten tours of duty. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Actually, the burnout
1: is incredible. I mean, well, we're in a state of perpetual war. I, yeah, I had to laugh later in the episode when he refers to the current time as peacetime. He's like, I don't like hearing that from a cadet at peacetime. Which is like, well, yeah, I guess it was. It, I mean,
4: except that we were in Bosnia, by yeah.
1: the way. We've never not been bombing somebody, but (laughs) but comparatively to the the Afghanistan and Iraq, it's kind of it's. In fact, I think that was
4: the year roughly that we were starting to bomb Serbia. So.
1: Well, that's how it Bill begins. Flynn, Bill Clinton showed he was a tough guy then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that um, I, Marge has some really, she's light in this episode, but she, I think she has a lot of funny lines in this. Like, she would, her, like, uh, that's better. Like, she has just a lot of good deadpans <laughs> in this. And it's a really funny line of they could have just ended with owns and operates is a famous cave. But then Marge, hearing that information that should scare her away from putting Bart in military school, she instead goes, Wiggum's right, that's a great idea Any
0: future is a good future for Bart That's not behind bars or, you know, yeah, in the gutter uh, Owning
4: and operating a famous cave is a pretty good future for Bart
1: Though is that, okay I always took that to mean that Wiggum's Dressing up the idea that his brother Is a uh, hermit who lives in a cave A crazy cave. person living that, in a cave That's what I took it
0: to Oh, mean. I didn't read it like that They're just There's the fa- a cave you can visit And he just runs the gift he shop r- or whatever I could see that too. I've I've been to caves Oh
1: yeah, yeah It's all over the Pacific Are Northwest Are they famous?
0: Uh, some of them weren't so famous, but somebody operated them.
1: <laughs> I, uh, once, my family visited a cave on a vacation, like a cross-country trip, and I was so scared at the idea of getting trapped in that cave that even two steps into it, I was like, nope, not doing that. Nope, I'll <laughs> die in this cave. I'll be trapped forever. Like,
4: I think caves are rad.
1: Uh, they're too scary for me. That movie yeah. about the about the monsters that are that attack the women who are going uh, spelunking. Ega? <laughs> yeah. There are no <laughs>
4: monsters in the cave.
1: No, no. The scariest part to that movie is when she's stuck. Wiggling uh, through a hole and she almost dies and freaks out. I'm like, this is
4: horrifying. Well, there was that Thai soccer team that was stuck in the cave not too uh, long ago.
1: Yeah, no, that, uh, well, in that case, they weren't, yeah, that also scares me, but that's where they had to just swim forever instead of, uh, so it's not the tight well, space you, so Elon much. Elon Musk as,
4: rescued them, didn't you see? Uh, he, uh.
1: he sent a coffin to them, uh, which <laughs> was very nice of him. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and then he called uh, one of the actual rescuers a pedophile, which was yeah. pretty cool. Cool. also very cool. He's like the Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some would say that uh, those are the actions of a person addicted to cocaine, mm. but not me. I wouldn't. <laughs> that would and be. He l- enjoys uh,
4: California cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> he could afford to cook any babies with his salary. <laughs> oh, I mean, he can buy all the babies he wants. Uh, so, so they're they're tricking a Bard here with Disneyland is also quite funny. I, I do like this.
3: Wow! I can't believe we're going to Disneyland. Hey, where's all your luggage? You dream about this day for so long Then when it comes, you don't know what to say
6: Edna, (laughs) your tears say more than words ever could
3: (laughs) (laughs) Military school? You lied to me
6: (laughs) I'm sorry if you heard Disneyland But I distinctly
0: said military school it's nice to see a call back to Edna and Skinner's uh, yeah. newer relationship.
1: It feels like the first time since Grade School Confidential they've really done a joke about their coupledom, I think. Mm, yeah. And, uh, of course, that will figure very heavily in a couple episodes. Oh, yeah.
0: Ooh. Best episode yet. Yeah,
1: at our big live show, January yeah. 16th in San Francisco with our guests, Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott. Come on down. I'll Wednesday. be there. Oh, boy. Yeah. Have you got your tickets now? They uh, might sell, sell out oh soon. Oh, my God. I
4: better go get them you right now. You need to
1: get that ticket now you'll
4: totally get me in the door right you uh, know we his?
1: can't make any
0: promises oh my god
4: honestly you're gonna leave me out on the street <laughs> freezing in San Francisco with California cheeseburgers
0: man
1: you'll <laughs> be a California cheeseburger in no time
0: at the last venue I put people on a list but nothing happened they just had the the dignity of being on a list I guess was their reward oh yeah, yeah. that's
1: true yeah but you listeners should, should get your tickets right now you you can't get on a list like Kat can but anyway so <laughs> <laughs> uh I also I swear my parents did do that I distinctly said this when they they totally lied to you type thing. I feel like this is a
4: sitcom joke that I've seen somewhere where mm. they're like, "Oh, we're taking you to Disney World." Ah, oh, just
1: kidding. You're going somewhere horrible. <laughs> It's uh, it's a good joke, but not good enough to be a callback at the end of the episode. Yeah, not a fan of that. I do like that Bart is so overwhelmed by the excitement of Disneyland that he doesn't notice the obvious tells that no one else is going to Disneyland. And that also Skinner and Edna are right across the street from him <laughs> watching him leave. He should really pick up on that. There's not a ton of great commentary on this one, but I, I actually do like that Yardley-Smith on the commentary goes, how did Bart not see them right across the street? And the animators go like, uh, you know.
4: The car was blocking the way. <laughs>
1: sure. <laughs> Disneyland
0: excitement was blinding him.
1: I mean, Disneyland's a lot of fun. we both I mean, gone to Disneyland I just I just year, went there. Bob, yeah.
4: Bart is not a smart kid.
0: <laughs> no? It's true.
4: Just like straight up. He is not a smart kid. Of course, he missed them.
0: It actually doesn't make sense that Lisa came with them.
1: Mm-hmm. To drop him off? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, yeah. what were
4: they going to do? Leave him at home? Leave her at home? They
1: could leave Lisa at she home. She can babysit others. She yeah. can babysit herself. I
4: mean, I guess, but it sounds like it was kind of a long drive.
0: Wait, where was Maggie? Was mm. she in the car? Of course she was. Yeah, Maggie's there, too. She That's has it. a. She
1: closes the scene with a suck later. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but so they arrive at Rommelwood. There's a great sign gag of which, a by the way, Rommelwood's a
4: great name.
1: That's good. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. So, let's name him after a Nazi th-
4: Germany from North. <laughs> Av- I mean, granted, he was a good Nazi, but I mean, come I've, on.
1: I've had to hear from a lot of the dad types that he's a respectable Nazi or something, which I'm just like, who cares? Well,
4: put it this way: he has a museum dedicated to him in Germany, and you're not going to find many Nazis that have museums in mm. Germany. He
1: drove the
0: hell out of that tank. Well, on the
4: comment, <laughs> he did try to kill Hitler. Yeah, so. that,
1: they bring that up on the commentary as like their cover for doing a joke about a Nazi. <laughs> like, well, he tried to kill Hitler. That was their excuse for MacGraneing when he asked about <laughs> it. He, he's in the room. Maybe they he, gave them a look like oh, I told you, no more Nazi jokes. <laughs> Founded in
4: 1812, which, by the way, was totally a war that we lost.
1: Mm, well, that, we don't like to think about that. That's uh, they
4: did kind of burn down Washington. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, they they were so, they were so afraid they ran away. The- <laughs> Nobody
4: talks about the fact that we lost to Canada in that war. <laughs> that was Canada.
1: Well, actually, we didn't want the White House, because it was uh, haunted. <laughs> 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 no, I never think... I. As Americans, they don't really teach you a ton about 1812. I remember, No, because we lost that yeah, one. Yeah. In Canada, I think they take a little pride in that. Like well, I was in
4: Vancouver, and I went to the Museum of the War of 1812, expe- Whoa. Ex- expecting some really good shit talk. No I was really looking now. forward to it. And Canada was <laughs> like, and now we're best friends with America. And that was a really Really well-fought war. I'm like, come on. Come <laughs> on, Canada, on just both, for once.
0: Good sportsmanship on both sides.
1: <laughs> uh, so we meet the the Commandant.
6: And that's how we'll mold your boy into a productive member of society through an intensive program of push-ups and formation marching. <laughs> well, it certainly was nice of you to accept Bart in the middle of the semester. Fortunately, we've had a couple of recent freak-outs, so that freed up a couple of bunks. Freak-outs? If, uh, that happens, are we still charged for the entire semester? Our high standards challenge students to reach their full potential.
3: Look at how disciplined they are. They're just like the terracotta warriors of Xi'an.
6: They sure are. <laughs> <laughs> That's not so disciplined. They're just children, Mr. Simpson. I guess. Truth is beauty! Beauty
3: truth, sir! They're discussing poetry. Oh, we never do that at my school.
0: But the truth can be harsh and disturbing. How can that be considered beautiful?
6: Well, I sure sucked the fun out of that poem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a so, very Marge
0: line. But good yeah.
1: Marge never gets the joke close to a scene line.
0: But throwing rocks at children is feels like a real early jerk-ass Homer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's so
0: funny. I do like... like it's just It actually feels more like a Merkin cruelty joke. It's a very mean era. joke. Yeah. Yes.
4: I always like when, when Lisa says something extremely smart and knowledgeable and Homer is like, yeah, I'm just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Terracotta the Warriors of Xi'an, totally.
1: <laughs> and uh, yes, that is his guest, Willem Dafoe there, who was pretty famous in 97. I'd say his biggest roles at that time, he had been a supporting actor in The English Patient in 1996 and uh, also received his own share of death threats for starring in the 1988 The last temptation of christ oh, yeah. as the jesus christ who fucks whoa <laughs> have you guys not seen the last temptation of no christ? i forgot he i was, never did yeah. but i
4: knew that it was pretty i mean infamous in the same way mm. as like a lot of these other things that mess with religion
1: yeah it's uh i mean the book was infamous too it's an interesting film it was martin scorsese dealing with like being a you know Uh, a a cocaine-addicted guy in the 80s who also had a strict Catholic upbringing and was trying to get his punk rock teens with his strict Catholic upbringing. And the interesting thing in The Last Temptation of Christ is the last temptation is that when he's on the cross, the devil appears to tempt him one more time with, here's what a regular man's life would be, and you don't have to die here, you don't have to be the son of God, you don't have to be any of this shit, you can just marry Mary Magdalene and just be some guy. And uh, and part of that is him fathering children, and there is one moment of like the camera's far away, but he is having sex with Mary too, just to make it Gaspard. clear. And uh, for that, there were literal bomb threats at theaters. Are you and serious?
4: Because I mean, it's the freaking devil's temptation. It's not like he's actually saying, actually, alternate history: Jesus left <laughs> Mary.
1: Yeah, it still it still depicts it, and that pissing folks off. But yeah, it was okay. It, that that temptation. Spoilers for the end of that movie, but spoiler alert! Oh my uh, god! That that temptation which for him is more like a dream but it feels like he lives the rest of his life on his deathbed Judas comes back and also in the film Judas played by Harvey Keitel is actually the good guy uh, and he's the one telling him like Harvey
4: Keitel t- is Judas is amazing oh
1: and he doesn't do he, he has his accent the entire time <laughs> I love ridiculous. it yes and he's the one who points out to Jesus that like no that's the devil you idiot and he's like oh no oh my put god me back- I just figured it out <laughs> put me back on the cross and <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) So they do... Also, uh, they did a choice to be historically accurate in the movie, like he's... You actually... Well, you don't see his genitals, but he is nude on the cross, to just to have it be accurate. He's all man. (laughs) When I
4: was looking at the Simpsons wiki, it said Willem Dafoe is best known for his role as the villain in Spider-Man. I was like, is he really the best Uh, known... Is that his best known role? I I don't think so. I know him
0: as the hero in Antichrist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
4: Oh, God, that movie. uh. Uh,
0: So we've all seen it. Okay, good.
1: No, I just know what happens. In it. I'm not watching that. Uh, he has
4: had a long and extremely varied career outside of the superhero genre. but of course, if you've been in a superhero film, you are best known for being that
1: he's he's a very interesting actor who makes a lot of cool choices and still does like he uh, he i believe was nominated for an Oscar just last year for his uh that film about a being a Florida hotel manager.
4: Defoe's a really good actor like he he's not you know kind of a all-time heavyweight actor but he's he can come in and basically do anything he wants he's got a
0: big weird skull that's fun (laughs) to look at i mean
4: it's very distinctive look okay so i watched this episode not even realizing that he was the guest star and i was watching and thinking ah, the commandant's kind of a distinctive and interesting character i kind (laughs) of like him and then i looked at it i was like oh wow oh Okay, I didn't had no idea. Like, I did not think... When I looked at that character, I did not think Willem Dafoe.
1: I've heard he was also really good in the the, the best part of the live-action Death Note remake, too. What? Oh, he I, is in that. Yeah, oh, my
4: God. <laughs> what, who is he? Is he the detective? Uh, he's the demon, I think. He's Death Note.
1: Yeah, he's... He's the <laughs> note. John Death Note. Like, I have never read Death Note. I oh, come I, on. I, I'm good. I got the Shonen Jump app, so it's, it's, fair. it's, I've it's no part read it of it. Either. It's really good. And so Willem Dafoe, though guys, did you know he returns eighteen years later to yes. the show in season twenty six, blazed and confused? Okay, where he plays a new teacher for Bart because Ed is dead, and so they did some episodes about a new fourth grade teacher starts, and he is a very intense man. Who the funniest joke in it is he says. He gives a speech to Skinner about how good he is at being a principal. And he says, and I, even, I didn't even give up when I got this scar. And then he's like, well, what scar? He's like, this one. And then he cuts into his face slightly <laughs> on his cheek. And he has a scar the rest of the episode because he did that in that first scene. Did
0: they name that character, though? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: He's Mr. Black.
0: That's why he came back. But they Mr. did Black. name him.
1: <laughs> Here, though, he's good at playing a military type, which is kind of against type for him. He's, he's played a military guy or a cop in a few movies, but he's just so like, weird and strange he, I, it, with like a very slim disposition. He's
4: very perplexed the entire <laughs> episode.
1: Yeah, he's he's not a negative force on Lisa, but he is he's he's kind of dumb or he needs to be at least a little clueless for multiple scenes in this to work because otherwise they just he should say, "Hey, stop bullying her," or "I also don't approve of this child." Yeah, he's pretty oblivious.
4: <laughs> I mean, we don't need the typical drill, drill sergeant type, I think that would have been a little boring. So to have he I think he's the main comic force in the entire second half of the episode.
1: And they already had Colonel Papablap. Hap, yeah, exactly. So, you, you've already he already did Arlie Ermy with Arlie Ermy, so try something new. I, I like that choice. They
4: could have brought him back.
1: They absolutely could have, but I think uh, you know the uh, showrunners who came after them didn't use a lot of their guests. Some of them were because they were dead <laughs> or <So they're> very old. <laughs> well, something
4: a little and something more understated maybe works for this episode. I think.
1: <laughs> and the uh, the chalkboard. But, uh, oh, yeah, the chalkboard that identifies John Keats as uh, parentheses civilian, that's a funny little gag there, too. I wonder how much they actually discuss poetry at real military schools. I, I mean, know. I'm
4: sure they take real classes yeah. and study literature because you got to be a well-rounded soldier when you're killing people. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to quote poetry at the people.
1: Though again, I must say it's so like she's inspired by the poetry that's that's why it's necessary they have that scene where she shows how unchallenged she is in school because otherwise it really doesn't make sense that a veg- vegetarian of lefty like Lisa would join a military school, especially when she knows it's a punishment for Bart too. And uh, <laughs> Presumably, Homer and March have to pay for this too. Yeah, now they're paying. Actually, yeah, now they're paying double tuitions. Like that can't <laughs> be cheap.
4: Well, I mean, I think they're just playing on the fact that she is chronically unchallenged at Springfield Elementary, and literally anything looks better than that, mm-hmm. even military school. And so she's willing to put aside the fact that she knows it's all about killing people. <laughs> which, I mean, she's a little girl, and she's being a little naive. I feel oh, about yeah. what a military academy actually entails. Like she's going, oh wow, we're gonna sit in classrooms and we're gonna study poetry, and it's gonna be really challenging and cool. Oh wait, yeah, actually, I'm gonna be doing push-ups and climbing ropes <laughs> and crossing the eliminator.
1: And also, I guess Lisa never pronounces. Oh, and I'm gonna join the military after this. Or this made me want to join the military later. That that never comes up. But uh, yes, uh, heck no. Here's here's me? when, here's when Lisa decides to stay.
6: So and for the last time, you're staying at military school.
3: And so am I. <gasps> This school has everything I ever wanted. Lisa, no! This place is just a jail for children. No jail can hold me.
1: I like that Lisa. Bart just drops all pretense. Yeah, like Lisa, no. We're putting Bart in jail. This is punishment. (laughs) It's the closest we can have to the like a death penalty for our kid is to send them to military school.
4: Actually, following through on that, that's pretty intense. But, I mean, obviously, they've reached the point of no return with Bart because he... I mean, you even said in the way that they were punishing him and Bart's going, I guess I'll go up to my room and think about what I did. Because, I mean, and there's no seriousness in it at all. And so when you're on your last wit, I guess that's what mm-hmm. you do.
1: Also, the recurring gag of him being chased by the cops in, like, low-speed <laughs> chases are pretty funny, too. Oh, yeah, we missed the first one with the uh, riding mower. Yeah. Which Sirens are always funny. Be, that has to be Ned's riding mower, too. That has to be, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Of course, but yeah, Bart can't afford a freaking riding (laughs) mower. He must have stolen it a long time ago. And uh, one thing I noticed in a nice design-wise of the military schools, there's multiple times when you're in the offices that you can see paintings of the school's founder uh who you can recognize him from he looks the same in the statue as he does in the paintings oh, like oh really okay. in the commandant's office there's a big painting on the wall next to it hmm. so and that's it's an interesting choice uh design wise but it does kind of setting the rest of the episode at of military school almost entirely except for the phone calls really it does take energy out of the show and also color like the colors children they're they're con
0: yeah like, you get the sort of drabness of color and design of a military installation mm-hmm. or a military establishment
1: and everybody dresses the same too it's yeah. just it's a very boring kind of look to it
0: that could be why i think it's a big part of why i think this is pretty dry after the first act because you never escape rommelwood
1: <laughs>
4: i would also venture that the are a bunch of Harvard jerks who probably have never been in the military, have nothing to do with the military, and probably don't have a lot of references to draw in other writing jokes. Movies. Yeah, other than movies in writing the actual jokes. And so as a result, the humor doesn't really pop as it does in the first half of the episode.
1: Mm-hmm. I think really that when they go to cut to Homer a little later, it makes me think they could add a whole B story about how free margin Homer feel like something spinning out of that that isn't It'd be just too much like Camp Krusty. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, actually, I was talking myself out of it <laughs> as I was doing it. like, oh wait, that's just ripping off Camp Krusty.
4: I think that if they had gone into the military school really fast, like rather than spending the first episode of the episode dwelling on film strips on the <laughs> police station, which admittedly is funny and it's it's not especially new territory territory but it's fun yeah it's good times uh that maybe they would have been able to develop the military academy a little more.
1: Though not that Mike B. Anderson and his team on the animation side do their best to make it as interesting as possible. They do a good job, and Mike B. Anderson is all over this, too, with his, there's a character that's He's just the, drawn yeah. to be him. The, yeah.
0: the blonde kid with the spiky hair, right? Yeah.
1: Which they will just identify as Anderson later, too. But yes, unlike in real life, the uh, the commandant is quick to accept a girl becoming a cadet. <laughs>
6: Let's go over this one more time, just to make sure I understand the situation. (coughs) You're a girl? Yes. Oh, gosh darn it, I just don't understand the situation. (coughs) You're a girl?
3: All I want is a chance to prove myself.
6: Hmm. In our 185 years, we have never had a female cadet. Um, But that seems to be the way the wind is blowing these days. After all, We have female singers, (laughs) female motorists.
0: Welcome aboard. (laughs) I'm, that joke makes me mad because there's not a third funniest thing in it. Mm, yeah. How can you
1: only have a list with two things in it? That's true. That also feels a little lazy uh, for the writers on there. I have to say, I think I love his blandness of like female motorists. Like there yeah. been female motorists for female about years. Female singers.
4: He doesn't really have any objection to it. He just is kind of confused. <laughs> <laughs> You're a girl. You want to okay i guess sure welcome aboard kind of
1: rolling with
0: it
4: yeah i mean very very progressive of him good job
1: it seems like he lives a very girl-free life so just the concept of like Mm. you're a girl
4: no Mm -hmm. it's true i mean these kinds of situations it's all men all the time never see any women so you're like suddenly you have this confronted by this eight-year-old girl telling you that she wants to be in your military academy that's all boys
1: and this would be national news oh, in God, yes. the real world. But they kinda they also sidestep that too. They don't they treat it sorta like a big deal, but and they they knew they were making a Shannon Faulkner reference with this. They don't say her by name on the commentary, but they say this was happening at the news at the yeah. time with the Citadel. So they they know, but I guess they didn't want to They didn't want to make it a court case, which there's a Lionel Hutz scene right there, guys, if you're looking for some fun.
0: So you missed Troy uh, McClure and Lionel Hutz in this episode. Uh.
4: Coincidentally, this was about the same year that G.I. Jane came out, and I don't think they really had anything to do with one another. But I guess it was just kind of... Because of what was happening at the Citadel, people were thinking about this and that kind of thing.
1: Lots of people were pitching and I haven't seen G.I. Jane. Is that good?
4: It was the first movie that my partner and I watched when we first
1: started dating. Oh, Yeah.
4: And it ends with Demi Moore screaming, suck my dick. Um, <laughs> and that's when all of the male cadets... Uh, Ultimately accept her. So yes, she but.
1: can be a toxic man too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
4: She no, it's actually a little bit like Top Gun because she's going through the entire process and training and everything. And then at the end, there's a big, there's a big mission and everything. It's by Ridley Scott. I didn't know he directed. He it. directs lots of
1: stuff. Directs that too you're many movies. By. Well, yeah, he he slowed down a little these
0: days. It's true.
4: Apparently Demi Moore got a Razzie for her performance in it. Oh
0: that She shaved her head. The only reason yeah. I know about that movie is because uh, there's always been a big pissing contest between video game fans and. You know everyone else in the world and at that time i believe uh, final fantasy 7 came out that first uh, the first weekend of gi jane and it mm. beat it in terms of uh, profits
1: <laughs> take that gi jane yes yeah,
0: so, so we, we can beat one movie but it's got to be gi jane
1: that's a good lesbian first date movie too at least oh, for the God, 90s yeah. yes yeah. it was very
4: hot
0: <laughs> i like how the your voice it was extremely hot oh boy oh boy
1: <laughs> and that's uh, what i sound like all the time bob come on <laughs> there's also one of the most interesting projection things they reveal in the commentary is this seemingly nothing shot of Lisa blinking. Yeah. You know, yes. Is a cover for, they had an animation fuck up that <laughs> apparently they couldn't afford to fix in the normal retake way. So, internally all in office they drew animate drew painted and shot the animation of the lisa blinking shot when it you know he's saying the female that's the way the winds are blowing and it cuts back to lisa that was all done in america by the regular team to draw her blinking a few days before it aired right they finished it the day the friday before it aired on the 16th that's yeah that's insane pretty pretty nuts but that's above and beyond uh anderson and the guys there what was the mistake though that they didn't say okay but i would just assume it's like a bad lip flap or something something or... that
0: they couldn't just put on the air
1: apparently not they they felt weird enough about it i maybe they were out you know if it's the end of the season maybe their retake budget's getting pretty low so they hmm. gotta gotta make some choices That's seems... all before
4: like digital editing and all that stuff
1: so. yeah it probably made it a little harder too yeah being... oh, yeah yeah. I also love the soft meanness of Marge just going like, I heard you the first time, honey. <laughs> Bart. I mean, he kiss, uh,
0: she kisses him, though, at least. Yeah. It's
4: pitying yeah. is what I would go for. <laughs> she, she understands that what she's doing to Bart, but she doesn't really care. I mean, he was pretty
1: bad. This is punishment. You got to follow well, through. when you're
4: it. sick of it, and it's sad, <laughs> you're at your wit's end, and basically it's like, all right, I am actually putting you in military school. I am paying to get rid of you because <laughs> I can't. I can't anymore. I can't figure out. You destroyed the entire town again. I mean, you already set friggin' snakes loose everywhere. Oh, yeah. And there was that time you were caught in a well and faking that. And now you're shattering every window in Springfield. We're done. You're going to military school.
1: Here, here is, uh, here's another funny scene I do like that I, uh, also implies a darker thing about the school that they do not. They just kind of give Ooh, up on Darker.
6: Air. Attend, hut! Gentlemen, we now have a girl cadet among our ranks, so we're gonna have to make a few changes. First of all, Franklin, you are no longer the girlies cadet here.
5: Well, we'll see about that.
6: Second, this is now the girls' barracks, so pack your things, you're moving in with Company L. Company L? But they smell! Yes, we've all heard the chant. Now fall out! Sorry, sorry. I know we'll be
3: friends. <laughs> Talk about getting off on the wrong foot.
2: (laughs) I can't believe they let a girl in.
3: Don't worry. We'll drive her out of the academy. That is why God created Hazy.
0: She gets her own barracks, at least. It's pretty roomy.
1: I Uh, mean, legally, they need to have a girl's barracks. Yeah,
0: but it's an entire barracks all to yourself. Pretty nice. Sleep in every different bed you want.
1: Yeah, I feel you think they just buy her one of those gifted portables and just Uh put her in there. So
4: the character Franklin apparently had their own storyline.
1: Yeah, the, really. It, like, okay. Yardley yeah. mentions on the commentary that Maggie Roswell did the one line of Franklin there, and apparently there were other lines, and then they cut them after the script reading. I could see they're like, hmm, how much do we want to do with this sassy child? They Just said weird. that the character
4: was quote a little too creepy.
1: <laughs> I guess Maggie Roswell does a great line. I didn't even if I hadn't heard Yardley identify her, I wouldn't have known it was Maggie Roswell. It's
0: yeah, I didn't realize that until this clip. Just listening really closely, I was like, "Oh, it's Maggie Roswell."
1: Uh, but I, I uh, like, I give approval to the girly Franklin character <laughs> yeah. because he's proud of it. Like he's like. I am the girliest. Clearly
4: here. accepted.
0: He's <laughs> yeah. got to up his girlishness.
1: They everyone calls him girliest, but he is sassy about it. He's not like afraid. He's not like, hey, don't call me that. He's like we'll see about that. Like he's. It almost seems like he takes this as a challenge to out girl Lisa later in this episode.
4: I always feel I. I really was kind of cringing for Lisa at this point because I work and uh, hang out with a lot of guys mm-hmm. and basically because I'm an editor-in-chief of a a video game magazine, and I've been in the press for a while now. And also, over the years, I've gone to a lot of male-dominated things. I've been in a a friggin' male Madden League or whatever. And in these (laughs) situations, when I'm around all guys, I don't want people to really point out that I'm different. I'd rather just kind of be like, I'm one of the guys. Here we go. Yeah, we're <laughs> playing the video games. Hooray. We're all having a good time, right? The second that somebody says, and here's Kat, she's a girl. Mm. I'm like, ha, huh, ha. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So she shows up and the best possible situation is if she could have immediately integrated with all of them. And she probably wouldn't have been accepted, but maybe she could have been tolerated. But the second that she is being singled out and be are like, all right, you get your own barracks, get out of here. <laughs> like, well, now they hate her and yeah, it sucks.
1: Yeah. It- I think they didn't need to do it would have made the kids even worse, I guess, if they just were like a girl's here. Yuck. But if they give her a very bad first impression, it almost lets you uh, you, you can feel more for them not liking her at first anyway. And it also just it's a very like kind of Homer esque. Stupidness. He's like, hey, you know, you're a girl in the barracks now. Just get out. Like he does. And the commandant does not understand what he's doing to Lisa. Here. Well,
4: the commandant was just trying to figure out the nature of you're
1: a girl
4: <laughs> a few minutes ago. So it's not surprising that he's not handling this very delicately.
1: You know, I had an editor-in-chief of the website I worked at who, he had that problem, too, of just, like, he kind of had a, you're a girl reaction to <laughs> some women working at the thing. And so, and he got some notes about that from HR. Mm. Uh, but then he instead overcompensated the other way of just saying, like, now, guys, we don't want to get too broy around these girls here. You know, you got women here, so don't swear too much. Uh. and. Then the, They're liable
0: to get pregnant any moment.
1: One of the women there was like, she hated that so much that she had to say like, "Yeah, fuck no, don't swear around me," just to get people to know like, this is not me asking you to not swear, please. This is this is the overreaction of this guy.
4: Yeah, I've seen, I've had that kind of thing happen to me before, and it just makes me like want to crawl out. And <laughs> often it's well intentioned. It's yeah. like, no, no, shit, we got we got to make this the best possible place for her. We want to point out that she is right here. <laughs> Pay attention to her gender. And I was like, can we not? Okay.
1: Like Lisa says later in the episode, I, I, I'm i tired of being an issue. Yeah. No,
4: that's exactly right. there. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the things with Lisa is that She's a very feminist character, and one of the nice things about The Simpsons is that it really puts you on her side most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're feeling bad for her, and you're just like, okay, I'm, I feel sympathetic toward toward her.
1: And with this hazing here, I wonder how much of it is inspired by hazing that these Harvard writers went through, and like mm. uh, to get into mm. Phi Kappa money or whatever. <laughs> Phi Kappa money. Kappa money. <laughs> uh, but this this hazing ritual, the push-ups in the mud, that's taken straight from an officer and a gentleman. Oh. I thought so okay yeah i found the scene exactly it's the uh he's just being yelled at by lou gossett jr about how you're never gonna fit in never don't eyeball me boy i say yellow card for referencing the movie that late
4: (laughs) hazing was a big deal in my school because i guess there was a huge scandal about it because oh oh, you know the whole well they got a little crazy with the hazing rituals Mm. and to the point where there was like media reports about it and then we had to go through the old school assemblies telling us about why hazing was really bad and then hazing was straight up banned and all of that stuff so
1: in the fraternity good old boys nature is just like it it was just sanctioned bullying and you would do it because you got it first so now it's time for you to do worse to somebody else uh. i mean it's
4: one thing where it's like okay stand up on your table and sing your school song it's Mm -hmm. quite another where like I've heard some truly awful hazing stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We're like, they're doing they permanent into, like, this damage. This is a sex
1: crime. What yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but this hazing isn't, is, well, is, not
4: well, it is. Thankfully not. Yeah.
1: No. There's one that gets pretty extreme in this, though. Not not like that.
4: <coughs> What's
3: the matter? Don't girls like doing push-ups in the mud? Is there any answer I can give that won't result in more push-ups? No. Come <laughs> no. motto. Mm -hmm. I'll die before I surrender, Tim. Who's Tim? Apparently Tim was somebody who was with the General moments before he was shot in the head. Cleaning graffiti off a statue makes a mockery of everything I stand for. (laughs) I don't think I can survive here, Lise. That's how they want you to feel. But if you just hang in there, they'll eventually accept you. Get to work! I want to see my face in that horse's ass! (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a good
0: line. Yeah, I do like the whole Tim thing, where <laughs> no quote ever has the name of the person that's being addressed in it.
1: <laughs> you would edit the quote. Yeah. You just take out Tim. <laughs> And the mouth movements are way off on that. So I think there was another reason for the Tim line. But I like that he says that and he's immediately shot in the head (laughs) on the battlefield. He was right. That's pretty funny to me. And just a statement of like, I want to see my face in that horse's ass. That's pretty, like, that's a a great reply. I was kind of shocked back then when it was new. I was like... They got to say horse's ass. They said ass. Oh, my God. Simpsons doesn't get a lot of
0: asses. Hey, uh, the critic, give us five minutes. We'll give you an ass.
1: (laughs) That's Fox. Yeah. A, a A flaming horse's ass. Horse's ass is a fun. That is a fun comparison. I like that. And then also we get a kind of a callback to El Barto with him saying cleaning graffiti is the oh, opposite yeah, of everything yeah, yeah. I believe in. And poor Lisa, she thinks that things are going to life is going to be fair and that she'll be treated the same as a boy would for going through all of the hazing stuff, and that she'll gain their respect eventually. How how wrong she is!
4: <sighs> Welcome to life, Lisa. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And it's 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 very sad. the the propeller thing that is the that is the silliest <laughs> slash most murderous of the ones. and also you can't you don't get to turn on a plane if you're a cadet one you wouldn't have access to a th- plane at the military school and two you would not be allowed to turn it on when you feel like it. that's true. my favorite but that's thing- why it's a joke in a cartoon. <laughs>
4: my favorite thing with Lisa is when. My favorite depiction of Lisa is when she's obviously very smart, but she's also extremely young and naive and kind of overly optimistic. And she gets taught a hard lesson, but maybe not one so hard that it makes her completely cynical. So mm-hmm. she is getting that lesson right now of, ah, I'm just going to be accepted. Oh, God, no, I'm not <laughs> going to be accepted. This is actually going to be really hard.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think we all three of us have gone through the feeling too of like being smart, but not exactly having emotional intelligence to understand people Mm -hmm. too, or or understand situations until. I
4: don't have emotional intelligence now. (laughs) God.
1: We're working on it.
4: Yeah. That's why I'm on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm just emotional. Uh, And so then we go to the firing range for scenes that just feel kind of like they would never happen now. Never. Like, you would never do a scene where Bart shoots a grenade launcher like it's nothing
4: it reminds me of starship troopers actually yeah <laughs> uh, i just keep waiting for bart to blow up one of his uh command one of his squad mates <laughs>
1: well that's also what's shocking that like it's a hilarious visual of Lisa just flying around with a gun on auto fire, but like it should be bullets should be hitting people and right? then they die. Sorry. Shrapnel should be killing everybody there. I
4: mean, that's what would happen if you handed her like an M sixteen. She yeah. would be flying around trying to aim this thing. No
0: eight year old could hold it. No, like, no. <laughs> I'm a big gun guy. I think it was an AR fifteen, and that stands for no, awesome, rifle. Awesome, awesome rifle. Awesome rifle.
4: My apologies, Bob. <laughs> you are the guy. You know expert I love here. guns,
0: and I have several.
1: <laughs> this isn't
0: true. No, they're all what? They're really? All, they're oh all, my
4: god! I feel so lied to. <laughs> they're
0: all for duck hunts.
1: <laughs> for, for new listeners, I wanted to make that clear. Uh, but yeah, seeing Lisa with the auto firing gun is uh, is kind of shocking here.
6: Four out of five Simpson, impressive. But you missed your last target.
1: Did I? <laughs>
3: You're a born soldier, Simpson. Too bad it doesn't run in your family. Um, Could someone help me? It's stuck on auto fire. Do you
0: hear anything? No. Oh. Oh. Maybe you should just learn to use this. If there's a war, just blow on it, and I'll come
6: help you.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so I love how patronizing you, he is. God, you have, also, the, you have the same moan as Lisa at the same I was time. I super there. condescending.
4: Oh my god! I like that her
0: automatic rifle is stuck on automatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's funny. I just got it this time.
4: <laughs> when when he gets when Skinner gets his car blown up, I immediately I imagine him going, "No." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a great. I want to sell or just a, a poster of just Skinner standing with his keys held out and just the crater in the ground and just. <laughs> It's a, great, it's a great composition. I love that image.
1: This is where like video games have hurt this joke for me, because I'm just like, a grenade launcher in a video game doesn't shoot it that far. Yeah. Come on
4: now. I'm just thinking, it's like, oh, the area of effect damage from that grenade would totally take out Skinner and probably <laughs> have to school. it would be just
0: a mist, a <laughs> red just,
1: mist. It's a bit of a Looney Tunes joke, for sure. Haven't you ever played Doom? The exploding <laughs> car would have taken him out immediately. <laughs> They'll also cut New Skinner doesn't own a car. He doesn't have the money for that because yes. he's paying back mother. Maybe he finally did. <laughs> and he finally bought that car after seeing that Honda. <laughs> and now it's now it's just got blown up by. Oh, I
4: like the storyline. This would have been actually a pretty good episode.
1: We're adding a lot of extra plot to this.
0: We're, this we're each coming up with our own B plots <laughs> to juice this up a little bit.
1: <laughs> uh, so Lisa is feeling very sad and lonely, and it's huh. uh the sound. Oh, it actually is a really heartbreaking sound, and when she. The sound of people pretending they're not having fun so they can tell you to go away on the other side of the door, like that hurts. I didn't like hearing mm-hmm. that. That was a bummer. And too real. And then uh, and then also Bart just saying, like, uh, nobody, and just closing the door in her face, like, ouch. I'm glad that it's only a couple minutes before he learns his lesson. And because otherwise, if you had to wait until the end of the episode for Bart to do that, like that's too mean for too long for Bart.
4: Well, I mean, it's a powerful drug to be accepted. And mm-hmm. when you're in the group and the group is rejecting even somebody that you like, it can be a difficult thing to go against a group and be like, no, I actually like this person. Screw you. Even even a sibling, apparently.
1: Being popular is the only thing that matters as far as Bo- Homer is top part. So.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, and so Lisa is feeling so lonely, she even calls Grandpa. <laughs> After trying to call Homer, which I really I actually love the character to it of like Homer has a beer on his stomach. He's taken off his shoes to have his feet warmed by the dog. Like Homer and Sans little helper never do shit together. So I just <laughs> love that shot too. And then Homer Homer actually seems to think that his remote turned off the phone. It's a
4: very uh, 90s joke of the idea of the
1: the the phone
0: ringing out of reach Mm
1: -hmm. the the whole not that you're staring at your phone constantly and you sleep right next to it and just move it with you everywhere
0: and the universal remote which presumably could answer your phone not really (laughs) uh
1: but so after yes running out of all other options lisa calls abe
2: samson
3: i don't care if it's bad news oh (laughs) grandpa you're not busy are you
6: Well, you're really asking two (laughs) questions there. The first one takes me back to 1934. Hmm. Admiral Byrd had just reached the pole, only hours ahead of the three stooges. And I guess he won the argument, but I walked away with the turnips. The following morning, I resigned my commission in the Coast Guard. The next thing I heard, there was civil war in Spain. And that's everything that happened in my life right up to the time I got this phone
3: call. Uh Uh-huh. So, anything else you want to talk about?
6: I'm afraid I'd just be repeating myself, honey. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, other people need to use the phone.
0: (laughs) I've already talked to her for 20 damn
6: minutes.
0: (laughs) I like the subversion or the inversion of Lisa wasting old people's time instead of old people wasting everyone else's time. It's great
4: they said
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that there it shows that there is a limit to grandpa's nonsense
4: (laughs) sideshow Bob would have been able to take it I mean of course it would have been all the old folks so I don't know they Mm. might have been
1: able to give each other breaks (laughs) and in this case uh, Abe just talks himself out which it is I mean it's also sundowning like it's the end of the day let the the old man go to sleep Lisa Mm -hmm. come on
4: I feel like this joke was cut in syndication because I actually did not remember this bit I would Uh, bet it but, you can cut yeah. the
0: whole thing out, yeah, safely. It's great, but yeah. I mean, it's you don't really need it to know that Lisa's lonely.
1: It's a good time filler, really. If you're if you're trying to mark scenes that could be cut for syndication when you're making the show, that's a good one. Like grandpa ones usually are. They're pointless but funny, uh, non-functional to the plot. All that Lisa really needs to be is right there to get the letter from her mom with the cassette in it. Which there's a funny line on the commentary too of Anderson saying his kids were like, "What's that videotape? What is that?" <laughs> like the uh, the idea of a cassette was impossible for them. What? Are you kidding me? For children in 2007, it's a Oh, 2007? Since. Well, yeah. they recorded the commentary, yeah.
4: Oh, okay, that makes sense cuz I mean in the 90s I had cassettes
1: and everything. I I had them um, because uh, I I was fancy enough to have a CD player until like my birthday in 99, I think? No, I no. mean, I
4: definitely had a CD player by 97, but I no, had I cassette it. tapes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I have plenty of
1: cassette tapes, but yeah. uh, if I was born in, I don't know, 99 or something, I,
4: would and I wouldn't. Were, I mean, if I wanted to record something, obviously I would have used a
1: cassette tape. Mm. Oh, yeah. I recorded so many cassettes of my favorite CDs for the personal mixtapes. No no gifts for friends, because <laughs> I didn't have any. No. I, I want to hear I, one
4: of your personal mixtapes.
1: Uh, it was mostly the time for a Weezer song. Now time ah. for a They Might Be Giant song. And Again. That Weezer sounds again. like Weezer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Superdrag or, or uh, Weedus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then Lisa finds a letter from her mom. And this, uh, this recording is really cute and sad. This is a, a nice, there's at least, they do a good job of getting emotion in this episode, even if there's not as many laughs. Don't worry,
2: sweetie. It's very common to be homesick when you're so far away from the people who love you. <laughs>
3: Okay, I'm not going to give up. Solitude never hurt anyone. Emily Dickinson lived alone, and she wrote some of the most beautiful poetry the world has ever known. (laughs) Then went crazy as a loon. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll
1: never know, dear, how much I love you.
0: So don't take my sunshine away. Oh. This what a down scene. act break. <laughs> this
4: was a scene that I always remembered from watching it in syndication five billion times. Like, that was the one that stuck with me because I always thought it was a little heartbreaking.
1: I like the march goes a little down at the end, too. Mm. Like, away. That's not... You're supposed to go up on Away. It I think too that she's she's singing kind of poorly in the way just a mom recording to her kid would too, which I like that.
0: I could have used a joke about Homer being dumb on the cassette tape before she goes into that song. Marge, what are you doing Should, in here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're punching this up left. <laughs> come and right here. come on. We got we got our own, <laughs> own writer's room here. <laughs> oh, and also right before we have the sad scene with Lisa, the, I do like the little the quick scene of lights out. Aw- lights out, lights on
0: and the thing he tripped over is like a skew <laughs>
1: that's really good and it's it, and good little animation on his one-legged hop of like uh, 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 like is his pain it's pretty funny the the barracks also look very much like well i mean barracks are uniform that's kind of the point but it, it reminds me of the full metal jacket ones though they probably but, use that as uh,
0: reference i'm guessing
1: i would think right yeah uh, but so that ending that commercial break too you get to see visually that Bart is now regretting throw uh you know not paying attention to Lisa and then casting her side he he kind of learns his lesson twice in this like he learns I need to secretly be your friend and then Publicly, then learns yeah. to not be a secret yes yeah I really do like this scene just because it uh it's kind of mocking like trying to come up with ideas when you don't have them. <laughs>
3: I'm sorry I froze you out, Lise. I-, I just didn't want the guys to think I'd gone soft on the girl issue. Uh, I'm tired of being an issue, Bart. Maybe everyone would be better off if I just quit. But if you quit, it'd be like an expert knot-tier quitting a knot-tying contest right in the middle of tying a knot. Why'd you say that? I don't know. I was just looking at my shoelaces. Look, the point is, you're gonna make it, Lise, and I'm gonna stick by you. Don't do that. Why should we both be outcasts? Then I'll just stick by you in secret. Like a sock maker secretly working on a top-secret sock that... Will you stop looking at your feet?
0: He's easily distracted. That part uh, going soft in the girl issue. <laughs> uh,
1: it's uh, you got to be strong on the girl issue if you want to keep friends in this boys' club. There. So
4: going back to the empty barracks thing really quickly, I like to read the AV Club reviews of these episodes mm. before I actually talk about them because usually they have some good observations uh, that I can steal for myself. <laughs> and one of them was that one of the fundamental aspects of Lisa's character is that she's lonely, and this is really driven home in. This particular episode because she is isolated by the fact that she's away from her parents, she's staying in this completely empty barracks. She is surrounded by boys, and I mean, it really just reflects how she's very smart, but also she has no friends, and nobody really understands her, and I mean, that is a fundamental part of her character. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I didn't even really think about how the emptiness of the barracks adds to the isolation she's feeling, like that she's sleeping by herself in basically an empty warehouse. (laughs) She doesn't
4: even have that like extremely basic support structure of her mom, who her mom even doesn't really get her.
1: And can't even get her on the phone to talk to just a little bit. Yeah. And it's
4: reflective of—I mean, it's the opposite in some ways of Summer of Four Foot Two, where she makes friends. In this one, she does have; she has no friends, and she never makes any friends.
1: <laughs> They're just removed. Yeah, she she only befriends her brother more, which actually that makes it the opposite too, because yeah, that's true. Bart Bart comes to her instead of pushing her away, like she mm-hmm. does. Those were both season finales I was as thinking well. That too, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Boy, you've re- you've really uh, opened my eyes here, Cat. Well, one is perhaps a little bit better than the other yes a bit <laughs> just a little uh, so we then get to hear about uh, how there used to be a uh, anime style battle royale uh, <laughs> but uh, now they have a new thing traditionally,
6: The Academy tested these virtues by pitting you against each other in a two-day battle royale. (laughs) That was prior to 1957. Thank you very much, State Supreme Court. Consequently, now, no cadet can receive a passing grade for the academic year without first conquering this. (laughs) The Eliminator. That's a 150-foot hand-over-hand crawl across a 60-gauge hempute line with a blister factor of 12. The rope is suspended a full 40 feet over a solid British acre of old-growth Connecticut Valley thorn bushes. Gentlemen, welcome to Flavor Country.
3: This wasn't in the brochure. <laughs>
0: I really wish this was introduced earlier, though. There's like two minutes left in the episode after this thing comes up, this uh, ultimate challenge.
1: Yeah, I mean they get to it, it wasn't early in, in the for the sure. <laughs> <laughs> they get to it early in the third act, but I guess they just wanted it to be the threat in the third act. They should drive by it at the start of the episode, but instead... I think Lisa is pointing
0: out it's a little bit late to introduce this
1: kind of plot elements. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Though it's a a cool... As far as them having to come up with a creative, like, obstacle course, physical challenge for the kids to do, this is a big one. Like, this is a really interesting one to do. I I think it's creative, especially the idea of, like, you will... I mean, the drop would kill a child anyway. Maybe it actually... the, The thorn bushes would soften your fall when they would cut you up, but... I it's it's kind of shocking that uh, in universe the Supreme Court hasn't shut it down <laughs> yet. <laughs> I have next
4: year. F- next year. I have <laughs> several friends who like to do Spartan challenges, mm. and Spartan challenges, if you're not familiar with them, are basically mud runs. But they have yeah. you doing all kinds of insane obstacles, and if you can't complete cl- going underneath barbed wire that's electrified, and if I... you can't handle them, then you're doing tons of burpees. It's ridiculous. Mm. I'm sure
0: they're nice people, Kat, but I think all those people are weirdos. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, and they're trying to prove something.
4: You don't see me doing them. I mean, but. <laughs> People enjoy that because I guess they're soft living. They need some danger in their lives or something. But whenever I see the Eliminator, I think of those and I think about how I really, really don't want to ever have to do that in my life. And I'm really grateful that I don't have
1: to. If they want to feel danger, live without health insurance. That's I've fun. earned. I've earned these soft hands. <laughs> yeah, I feel exhausted just by
4: because I've tried to do some of those obstacles, and I guess when you're eight and you're tiny, it's a little more doable because you're not lugging so much freaking weight across uh, the that.
1: When your jo- joints are young and ex- you're, <laughs> still, yes. you're still like compact, you're not like long. Have
4: you tried to go across monkey bars lately? Uh,
1: you know, one the closest thing to this I did once was at a county fair. Where it was like climb this rope, uh, this rope ladder. It's like
0: a rigging on a ship or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And you get—I got up like four steps and immediately like just flipped over. Like, and it uh, and uh, the embarrassment I felt made me uh, remind me like this is why you don't <laughs> do physical challenges, especially in public. It's so not they're
4: really high up in the air and they're over like Connecticut thorns or whatever. <laughs> a British
1: acre of them. <laughs> yeah,
4: you know, which by the way, is specificity, uh, great humor. That's
1: yes, yeah. They needed more of that in this episode. I like that one.
4: But if Lisa had actually fell, she's dead, right?
1: It's over. I it, I think maybe those uh the storm bushes cu- cushion your fall. <laughs> Whether you weather thorns. Yes, ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well it's like, you know, Falling on a bunch of boxes would cushion your fall, too, even though it wouldn't, wouldn't feel great. But it give you something to collapse other than just the hard ground breaking your bones. Again, there's a reason this gets shut down by the Supreme Court at mm-hmm. the end of this episode. It seems like an extra mean thing to do to throw meatballs at a, at a vegetarian, too. Which Ooh, yeah. I wonder how she's surviving as a vegetarian there. Does she just eat, like, uh, the hot dog buns? Yeah. The answer is she's not. Rich and bunley goodness. Uh,
4: <laughs> when There are times when you're a vegetarian and there's literally nothing else to eat, that you just have to just hold your breath and realize that you're going to be sick and just eat it, Mm. which...
0: I don't do that, Kat. I starve for my principles.
4: Well, good for you. (laughs) But thankfully, this hasn't happened to me in like a decade. But, I mean... In her situation, uh, either she's going to eat hot dog buns and get absolutely no calories and then starve, or she's going to eat the freaking meat.
1: I mean, when you're in a military school, you can't—you don't get other food unless you sneak out for corn. Ooh, but, that was some uh, good corn. Oh my
4: God, the corn thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, I also really love Lisa's reaction. Reminds me—we talked about being a gifted kid. That yeah, is how I yeah. feel too. Of like. I thought you wanted to be challenged. A challenge I could do. Like I wanted a
4: challenge that was easy. Come on. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. A challenge that made me feel good about myself. It was mildly hard, but not too hard. It's I like-
0: do think of that. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of this episode, but I do like that line a lot. Mm-hmm. A challenge I could do.
1: It sums. It sums up a, a very specific. It's a mood, fam. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here's here's a here's a scene also with a big cheat of Lisa being saved by the rope, which is completely invisible in it. They called out on the commentary to like, boy, where the
3: I can't do this, Bart. I'm not strong enough. I thought you came here looking for a challenge. Duh. A challenge I could do. It was worth sneaking into town. That was some
6: good corn.
3: Uh
0: Uh-oh. Uh, hey, Simpson. What are you doing out here? Nothing. Nothing? Doesn't look like nothing.
3: Oh, yeah? Well, um, what are you doing out here?
0: Uh... Also, nothing. Well, okay. Okay. Then <laughs> carry on. All right, we will.
3: That was close. Bees. Bees.
4: Bees. Ah! Ah!
1: I like Yardley's way of saying bees. Like yeah.
4: Bees. <laughs> I love Tress McNeil playing a teenage boy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> doesn't happen much for her. I like it, and and Dan also doesn't play kids that much either. So,
4: <laughs> and I love corn. We're sneaking yeah. into town to eat corn.
1: Not uh, for a girl. Not for not for liquor. Just corn. The
4: the bullies aren't bad. I mean, they're kind of dopey so they yeah don't really come off as pure evil. But at the same time, they're not named either, are they?
1: Nope. No. No. Nope. Uh, Franklin, the girly boy, is the only one that gets a name. Actually. Yeah.
4: And we see him for like 1.5 seconds. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I wanted more Franklin scenes, I really Me did. Me too. So, uh, it's the day of the Eliminators here, and this is a really good, f- uh, this is a very funny fake out.
6: Gentlemen, I regret to inform you that the state Supreme Court has determined that forcing cadets to cross the Eliminator is a barbaric and malicious practice. Yes. Hence, you will be the last <laughs> class to be subjected to it. Anderson, you're up. Go) <laughs> Yeah!
1: get screened by Dan. So that was that was
0: Mike Anderson, the director, right?
1: In design. It was Dan on the screaming, but yes, yeah. It's it's made... He's... Uh, that's him as a kid. As an adult, he has a ponytail, but... Uh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he's in episodes uh, as an adult
0: too, right? Yeah, he's... Yeah. He's, he's in one, Hurricane Nettie.
1: He's one of their... Fa- and he has a background appearance in New York City versus Homer Simpson too. He's, yeah. He's one of the... At this time, the animators love drawing Michael B. Anderson and well, stuff. once you're in a show, you just enter like a character sh- package.
0: So it's like, uh, let's get some background guys. He looks pretty cool. Get him in there. <laughs> so now he's just the background character.
1: There's no better feeling than he, he, hearing you don't have to do something you oh, thought you yeah. were going to. <laughs> so then to take that away from Lisa is uh, like that's one last cruelty to Lisa in this. So this isn't. This is something I like about this episode compared to Old Man and the Lisa, which is a funnier episode than this, but we talked about on that one how you feel so bad for Lisa she just gets shit on the entire episode. In fact... She by, kills her father. By the end of that one, she finds out that recycling is even actually horrible and she shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> in this one, it's a rare Lisa win. Lisa does get to win and succeed, which doesn't happen all that But much. has
0: to go back to second grade next year anyway, so... Well,
4: it's like Lisa nice. I mean, she gets a win in that one. I, I was argue summer foot four foot two. Ultimately, she has a win. Yeah.
1: Uh, oh, now wait. And Lisa and Ice, they both tied. As Homer tells us, they're both losers. <laughs> I mean, in hockey, that's a win. <laughs> no, I, I subscribe to the Homer school. One must win. <laughs> Fair
4: enough. I mean, she, she manages to spark a, a riot in Springfield. That, to me, is a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing.
1: And so I guess they're going in alphabetical order because they start with Anderson and then they said, final, Lisa Simpson, which if there's nobody with the name Lower in alphabet than Simpson, then she would go after Bart. So it's just her bad luck that she has to go last. It's not the commandant picking on her. It's just the alphabet. It's It's like the episode.
4: What was that? I love being a Simpson. Yeah, (laughs) that's right.
1: We'll start with the B's. Bart. Bart. (laughs) So. Lisa's going up there. It's it, they do a good job of making it look terrifying from Lisa's angle too.
4: I mean, sure. it is terrifying. Did <laughs> yeah. you see that thing?
1: Yeah, no, I would never attempt this, never. And especially that blister factor of twelve, I like it yeah. too. Uh, <laughs> what they scale just, are they using? They just make up a scale <laughs> of rope.
4: I mean, apparently twelve like gauge is actually a scale, but it's tiny. It's like wire. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Ouch! That's yeah. all.
1: That sounds like it cuts you even worse. It's oh, not totally It's cutting.
4: In any case, they just made some stuff up.
1: <laughs> Lisa is starting to fail. They're all being pretty mean to her, which the commandant should really not let this kind of bullying go. She, he should tell them like, "Hey, straighten up, quiet." But uh, it seems like Lisa is going to lose it all until Bart actually saves the day. Stop! Stop!
3: little further. Come on, just a little bit more. You're doing great. That's it. Come on, just a little bit more. I know you can do it. I believe in you. Yes! You thought I couldn't, but I could. I did, and I could do it again. Let's do it again. Lisa, it's over. You made it. You can put your arms down. I can't. They're stuck.
6: <laughs> We're going to make your life a living hell for the rest of the semester.
4: But graduation's in three hours. <gasps> we better go change. Last year at this time, uh, I ran a 15K, and Ooh. I actually got a pretty good time on it, and I felt really good at it. At the end, I was like, yes, I did it. I did it. I won. I I knew I could do it. I did it. I can't. I'm so exhausted. Oh, my God. I just need to sit down right now. <laughs> it just all smashes you at once. after yeah, feeling. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, when you cross that finish line, you got that adrenaline rush. You're like, yes, I made it. Oh, God. Just get me a drink, please.
1: <laughs> and it's a really... Good shot of Lisa's triumph too yeah. Of uh, the sun in the background And her jumping up and down I like that shot
4: I love happy excited Lisa It's great
1: And like They're stuck Like it's a cute reading on that It's <laughs> t- very cute <laughs> Oh stuck? my god Yeah <laughs> uh, And so We get to their graduation Which this uh, I Actually now I think about it, The staging in it Reminds me of Stripes Actually from the graduation Oh that, right yeah Which would definitely fit With the uh, the tastes Of the producers on this show They've, They grew up being Stripes fans I
4: mean, I grew up being a Stripes fan, so...
1: It's it's good till they go to Russia. It's it's a good oh,
0: movie. I forgot about then. that part of it.
1: Everyone forgets that because it's I, I assume
0: the entire movie is just training. <laughs>
1: Do they have an RV or something? Uh, they get a super tank that uh, they like yeah. drive through Russia. And, uh, and the, the people in Russia are Canadian, too. It's mostly a Canadian cast of SCTV folks uh, surrounding Bill Murray. Uh, but yeah, so... In this story of the War of the Future was satire. then. Let me remind you, listeners, this, these were jokes then about robots fighting all our wars for us.
6: The wars of the future will not be fought on a battlefield or at sea. They will be fought in space or possibly on top of a very tall mountain. <laughs> in either case, most of the actual fighting will be done by small robots. And as you go forth today, remember always your duty is clear. To build and maintain those robots. Thank you. <laughs> yeah! was, Great
0: delivery was very, on that speech, uh, by yeah. the way. Seeing into the future.
1: <laughs> I like his thank you. And yeah, this is that's drone warfare right now, baby. That It's very important to maintain and, and design those robots.
4: So even better, we're going to have kill bots in a good 10, 15 years. Not even gonna, human kill bots. Yeah, we're going to have assassin droids that are going to be coming after you. And then they will be building and maintaining those robots, so...
1: Well, that, I mean, that freaked me out with, um, obviously, the, well, so there was a shooter, I believe it was in Texas, there was a shooter at a at a Black Lives Matter event, and they chased him down, the cops did, and they blew him up with a drone, which is like, oh God. they needed, I mean, he had a gun and was still a threat, and so... Send in a drone, I guess that is a way to deal with the problem, but just the idea of, like, now the cops have a drone that can explode and just send it to you, like, They can blow scary. up anyone they want. Yeah. yeah, it's scary to know that. Stephen
4: Hawking was saying that his greatest fear, essentially, with robots was that you would have these killer robots that would be able to do what basically whatever they wanted. They could go after people and... They would just follow their directions extremely specifically, and then we wouldn't be able to stop them because Mm. they were following their directions too dang well.
0: Well, nearby where we record Retronauts, there's there's like a robot in San Francisco that like yeah, runs around. Right. I hate it so much. It's,
1: is it an assassin droid? It's I think a Dalek. it's there to
0: kill homeless people.
1: <laughs> oh my god! It it was weird. We had to walk by it like twice. I
0: I find it threatening, which I think is the point.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's it's a soft threat. I mean, physically, it can't actually do anything to you. But I guess too, it's also like. Well, this robot will probably film you break it if you were to break it. So. I told that and robot, "Fuck
0: you, buddy."
4: <laughs> but AI warfare is just around the corner. In the meantime, uh, drones are shutting down airports. So,
0: whoa!
4: What did you need to hear about this? This is a very recent thing. The entirety no. of Gatwick Airport was shut down for multiple days by a drone flying around. Holy Ooh. crap! Yeah, oh, that's dangerous. Somebody just found out that if you just have a drone flying around, I mean, you can shut down a- major air travel. Wasn't
1: the plot of a Call of Duty game? I think it was Advanced Warfare, where somebody gets control of all the drones and you got to fight them. (laughs) Uh, Advanced (laughs)
4: Warfare sucked.
0: All right. But you can can jump in that game.
1: You've never been able to jump in a video game before. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, after after that little speech, we get a final scene of, uh, we get to find out that Bart has learned a lot of combat techniques, which he instantly forgets after this episode, <laughs> never uses it
4: again. But he can also use grenades.
1: Yeah, which he also forgets. <laughs> the next time he's bullied, he should be pulling out those uh, self-defense... Martial arts he learned, but he does not. I the the one positive I said why I wouldn't want this season to end with this one compared to the other options I had. The one thing I do like about it as a season finale is I like when they graduated at, at the time. Yeah, I liked when they end a school year when I was ending a school year in May as well. And season seven,
0: it ends with the end of a school year too. So mm-hmm. yeah. And
1: if Camp Krusty hadn't been delayed, that would have ended season four with a school year. Uh, see yeah. And then also uh, Bart of Darkness too was meant to end the school year too. So they they they've done a number of them. They have graduated from school many times. Mm -hmm. And also in the in for example in in Bart's tenth year of life he graduates from military school, elementary school three times. And also lives in France for at least a month, at least one month. Well, the season two premiere is
0: Bart gets an F and that's when he graduates the fourth grade, right? That's
1: right. <laughs> or he was about to be held back, so this yeah. year, his school year's about to end, too. I mean, he was also born in 1981, so. <laughs> well, okay, yes. Yeah. He's older than me. <laughs> uh, but so we, we get, here is the ending, uh, where we get, one, we get a cute little callback.
6: Lisa, before you go, I want to present you with this
3: a medal thank you sir hmm? for satisfactory completion of the second grade
5: huh
6: <laughs> well kids we're so proud of the way you completed military school we thought this time we'd take you to Disneyland for real yeah
4: Yeah.
1: who is b hoffman (laughs) i guess that's a good boring it's a a satisfactory boring name don't want to say good they save their fun
0: boring name for the dentist we don't see
1: (laughs) it's yeah so that as a last joke to end the season with it especially like i think of little henry Who's not uh-huh. going to get new Simpsons for a whole three months, Little Henry? Oh my God. The, this is the joke. You're just going to have to
4: watch <laughs> the old ones on syndication over and over and over again until N- your eyeballs fall out, and then watch 2020.
1: No, no, I'd be wearing out my D- my VHS tapes all summer, uh, yeah. which I would do many a time. The tail of the tape. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the the dentist joke. When I think of like, if they could have ended the last joke, is Grimes's funeral or uh, Troy talking to Osmodiar? Those would be funnier. I'd laugh more.
0: Damn straight, Henry.
1: Especially the spinoff showcase ends with him saying, and what comes in season nine? So it's basically throwing you to season nine. I kind of wish that was it. Yeah, it would have been a better ending. This emplacement is just kind of a weaker season eight ending, I have to say.
4: Though I do think that the episode itself is slight, a slightest bit underrated, just because there are some good jokes in there. It's a solid Lisa episode. She gets a win. Uh, You feel her loneliness. And I think Willem Dafoe does a really good job in that role it's a it's an enjoyable like it's an enjoyable watch I mean I'm not going to call it a classic mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it ma- measures up to summer for foot two or many of the other fairly superior Lisa episodes but she comes off as really you know sympathetic in this episode there's some good performances
1: and I, yeah I
0: would watch it again it's still a season eight episode which means it's good yeah no matter what
1: and also unlike say we talked about in the two Marge episodes this season though Bart is there they don't let Bart take over the story unlike how Homer in both of those episodes takes <laughs> over Margie's story
0: yeah thanks for listening everybody this has been talking simpsons before we tell you where you can help us and support our show and get bonus episodes cat uh where can we find you and help you and uh, listen to your stuff
4: Hi, I'm Kat. I'm the editor-in-chief of U.S. Gamer. You should go check it out. Uh, we have all of our, like, top 20 games lists and all that stuff. And plus, I'm the host of Axe of the Blood God, which is U.S. Gamer's podcast about RPGs. Yes, we are still doing the top 25 RPG countdown right now. I appear on Retronauts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, subscribe to all of those podcasts um, on Spotify or Stitcher or iTunes, I guess, if you really care about it. And also, I'm on Twitter at the underscore Catbot. Uh, Thanks for following me. I really enjoy being on the show.
0: Oh, yes. We love having
1: you. Yeah, the audience loves you, too. So it's always great to have you back. Mm -hmm. So if you want to
0: support our show and get tons of bonus episodes on top of that, please go to the Talking Simpsons network at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Of interest to you, probably because we reached the end of season eight, we'll be doing a season eight wrap up episode, and we'll be doing going through the deleted scenes of season eight for our patrons only. So check that stuff out at uh, Patreon.com/slash Talking Simpsons. Also, if you give it the five dollar level, you get every episode of this podcast a week ahead of time and ad free. And the same goes for our other podcast, What a Cartoon. And at that level, there is so much more going on: bonus episodes, uh you know, bonus miniseries you can't get anywhere else, including our new 2019 miniseries. that's still to be decided as of this recording. That's going to be 13 new episodes that you won't be able to hear unless. You're on the Patreon and subscribing. Henry, what else do we have?
1: Well, there's a ton of classic interviews on there that we've done. We did so many cool ones in this year of 2018. We did a new one with Josh Weinstein, with David Silverman, with Mark Kirkland, and many others. Or if you're in the holiday spirit when you're listening to this, you can check out our one from last year where we interviewed Mimi Pond about her complicated relationship with writing the first episode of the Simpsons. If you want to also hear about a a woman in a man's world, Mm -hmm. you can hear a little bit about that too. (laughs) But uh, also at the $10 level, if you want to get up to the premium level, you get access to not only all of the videos we did uh, in the previous years, we've been doing the Patreon, but also our brand new what a cartoon movie podcast where me and Bob go through a different animated film every month in november we did batman mask of the phantasm december it was kiki's delivery service what's to come in january well patrons can vote on that very thing and listen to it in january so check that out and as always, I got to say it again, January 16th, San Francisco, SF Sketchfest, Wednesday, 8 p.m., the Gateway Theater. We will have guests to talk about the principal of the popper, Allie Gertz and Julia Prescott from the other Simpsons podcast. You definitely don't want to miss that. If you're anywhere in the Bay Area, January 16th, you can find it on the schedule at sfsketchfest.com.
0: And if you're listening and you think you might want to go buy your ticket immediately, we have both of our audiences going to the show. As far as I know, it could be sold out now, so please go to the website and check it out. Make sure you get a ticket if you're going to be in the area. So I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackie. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. Cat uh, mentioned it before, but my other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been doing it since 2006. Go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. You can find it there. And uh, check it out and subscribe. Henry, how about you?
1: I've been your other host, Henry Gilbert. You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. You'll see when new episodes and other content comes to the Patreon and to the free feeds not to mention when new events happen like our live shows and i'll be linking to tickets and stuff there so please follow me h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g thanks for joining us folks we'll see you next week with a surprise
0: episode you'll see what it is then goodbye
6: Lights on! Lights on! Lights out. Lights out.